This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm the captain, Rich Crage, alongside your problematic fave and in what is it in in, in disingenuous parentheses at times, Jolanta? Is that correct? Oh, yes, disingenuous parentheses at times. <laughs> Jolanta, you were disingenuous earlier when you said, I said, Are you ready to record? And you said, Yes. And then I went, All right. And then you said, Wait, no. So you, you lied immediately there. So I get where at times you can be disingenuous. It's not often that you, yes. uh, that you lie, but that was, you know, that was, that was disingenuous if, if if any other word but hi joe how are you doing and of course when we start your dogs decide to go i know <laughs> they didn't park for 20 minutes but yeah they've been quiet for a half hour and and now they're going crazy i'm over here um you know putting children to bed at like six o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon so they're quiet and uh <laughs> yelling at your wife to not go on netflix or hulu or anything yeah. streaming by the way honey just watch normal tv i know it's tough to because that's it, do you ever have that where like your your power goes out or your your internet's out and you don't really realize how reliant you are on all that stuff like you're just like oh all right well whatever my internet's out no big deal oh no like i can't do this oh i can't and, like you don't realize how how connected you are to every second of your life until you lose it or you lose power or internet it's just you're, you're just a wreck you have no idea what to do with your time the loss of internet basically derails my life it's it's there's it's it, you're right it's like well, you don't the kids know nothing else right like they, they don't know like anything else besides like ipad or streaming right no no of course not you know and th- there's like 15 year olds who grew up who don't know anything about that when you think about it 20 year olds right when when did high speed internet kind of become now i know there's still some people without it but when did it really become kind of just a common thing where your your basic american household okay has high speed internet and right. people are all streaming in every different room what do you what would you say like is 10 years ago going back too far or is that not going back far i, I think what yeah you- i'd say early 2000s i'd say by early 2000s most people had it and then probably by like your your 2002 to 2004 somewhere in that range pretty much everybody had it it came Pretty well standard at that point, at least for for my area. I don't know if it was the same for for you, but I'd say just about that point. Like everybody was, you know, I was connected to the internet, you know, in like back in like you know 1997 or whatever. But it was I had dial up until like 2003, I think, is when I eventually you know made the move over to high speed. But I know some people had it uh, a little before that. I think Napster and like that was really when everybody really decided to start kind of getting it up a little bit. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say you know 2002 to 2004 or five is about when I think everybody got high speed internet, early internet. That was the internet that you can you could live without if it wasn't working, like because you'd maybe log on an hour a night, you know what I mean? Maybe check your email if you had it, or uh, you know, uh, you know, browse the two or three different sites. I mean, but everything was so slow and took so long. 
you didn't live on it. Like I, I, you're right. I, essentially, you don't realize it, but you're essentially living on it, especially when you're dealing with things like Netflix and Hulu and you're streaming shit to your TV now, uh, your phone. It's it's pretty wild when it goes out. I told that story a couple of years on the flagship where I woke up and my power was off because I had switched credit cards and all that and I forgot to pay the power bill. So I wake up and there's no power in my house, which means I have no internet in my house, which means my phone was dead because it died <laughs> in the middle of the night because the power was out. And I realized what had happened, but I could not contact the electric company. Couldn't call them. I couldn't contact them via the internet. <laughs> I had to drive over, but how would you know their address? <laughs> you know? Well, here's the thing. I couldn't drive over either because my garage door oh, opened. Oh, right, the garage door. I apologize to my dogs again. I don't know why they were going nuts. So. so I couldn't even open up my garage to get the car out to drive the payment over because it's pitch black in there. <laughs> I don't have a flashlight. Why do you not own a flashlight, Joe? Come on. You don't know the panic that set in. I felt like it was like the zombie apocalypse. I had no contact to the outside world. I couldn't even get out of my house. Okay. So I'm feeling around in the dark to try to like unlatch the garage door from the automatic garage door opener. So I could manually open up the garage door, but because it was pitch black in there, I couldn't find the damn latch. It was an absolute utter disaster. And, and in those 10 minutes, I, had such mass panic and anxiety and that was only not having power for 10 minutes. Right. I couldn't even imagine a natural disaster or something like people have experienced with these hurricanes and everything else where you don't have power for a week or a month. I, you know, I, I openly admit that I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for 10 minutes. No, I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck when like five minutes. Yeah. My, 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 electricity's out and I'm already like, what the hell's going on here? You know what I mean? Like they have things where you can kind of check in or, or, you know, if your phone's still working or whatever, you can, you can check in and, and say like, well, my power's out. And I'm checking that thing every second. Like well, my, you know, my local, you know, we'll say if there's an outage and you can report that you have an outage and we'll give you an update on when you can expect it to come back. And I'm just refreshing that thing every five seconds. Like, come on. Yeah. Cause like, what do I, I'm not going to read. Like, what? Do you, I, how can I read? It's not, it's, you know, it's nighttime or whatnot. Like, what do you do? I don't know what to do. I'm like, yeah, like light candles and shit all over the place. Like, what am I doing here? What am I, Charles Dickens? I'm going to light candles and read my candlelight. What is this, Little House on the Prairie? You know, give me a break. Laura Ingalls? I don't think so. I'm not doing that. I apologize to my dog. I don't know what the hell's going on. I can go smack him if you need to. Listen. It's, there must this, be something in my front lawn. There must be another dog in my front lawn because that's that's the kind of reaction we're getting here, so. This is the voice of the wrestling trademark. I, you know, I'm going to go find this out. There's like a coyote out there. Let me, let me go. One sec. A coyote? Wow, that'd be interesting. So this is where Rich abandons the show for uh, several minutes. We've had this happen uh, before. Not so uh, frequently recently. But hopefully there's no coyote in his yard because I, you know, I don't think he's going to go out there and have hand-to-hand combat with a coyote. The dogs have stopped barking, though. So I don't know what he did. Here he comes. I can hear him coming back. All right, back. Okay, what'd you do to make the dog stop barking? No, I just walk over. He, he's, he's very scared of me. So I don't do anything to him. I don't know why he gets scared of me. <laughs> it's, it's good, though. He's very it's scared. There was another dog shitting in our front lawn, so I, I get yeah, it. I, I would bark, too. Yeah, I'd bark, too. Yeah, well, don't shit in my lawn. I agree. <laughs> that's what Hans is saying. It's, it's that's my lawn, dude. That's my lawn to shit yeah. in. So I, I, don't, I don't blame the dog, Louie, or whoever that was. That was Hans. Yeah, Louie's sitting next to me. He's too lazy these days. to Hans, work. yeah. So I don't blame Hans because... Okay, if anyone's shitting in that yard, it's 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 gonna be me. Oh my god, that reminds me. 
about a month back, I let my dogs out in the morning to go, you know, shit in the yard. I had two wild creatures back there. Oh, there was a cat, which isn't all that unusual. You know, some stray neighbor, you know, cat running around, got into the yard. Rich, there was a turtle in my yard as well. <laughs> now, <laughs> there are no streams or ponds. And <laughs> where does one acquire a turtle? Yeah, where, where, hold on. But there was a turtle in the fucking yard, and, um, you know, the dogs didn't really bother with it. They chased the cat off quickly. But the turtle, they didn't really bother with it. Um, but the kids got a big kick out of it. Eventually, the turtle... Uh, made his way to the back of the fence and slithered under the fence somehow and 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 slowly took off. So two wild creatures. So when you said there was a coyote in your yard, I didn't think it was, you got coyotes out there in Chicago? Uh, sometimes, yeah. There, there's some in the bed. We have to keep mindful because like I'll get like updates like, you know, five minutes from my house, some coyote mauled the dog or whatever. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I I always have to I always have to be kind of careful of uh, and, and mindful of them. They're usually enough away where I don't I I don't think people have seen them in my little neighborhood, but still, if they're, you know, five, 10 minutes away, you, you never know. And I feel like that'd be the worst thing in, in, in the world. It's just, yeah. So I'm not even going to get into it. So I, yeah, I just make sure. Yeah. I just make sure. And at night I just, I go out and walk them. I don't just let them out the backyard just in case. Wow. I think it's strange that there's coyotes running around Halstead street, Chicago. Well, see, I, don't live, I don't live minutes from the Sears tower. I'm, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I live on Halstead street, which is, you know, a good 10 minutes away from, uh, the Sears Tower. So, you know, you got the coyotes. You know what they tell me? I have to worry about out here. Uh, being that I have a Chihuahua, is they say you got to watch out for hawks. Yes, yeah, the hawk will just take a Chihuahua and go. And like, and there's there's two ways that can happen. It can either just straight up take it, which is not hard to pick up a Chihuahua and just take it if you're if you know if you're a hawk or like an eagle or whatever. Or like other worst part is too, just their talons are so sharp too that even if they don't grab it, like it's still yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's a really really great way to start off our show with <laughs> dog maulings, but that's, that's good. Here's yeah. what they say happens though, like with the ha- the hawks because they eat like mice, right. right, and rats and like little squirrels and stuff, and that's what they think the chihuahua is. So they'll swoop down and pick up the chihuahua and then swoop back up in the air with it. But then they say that the hawk will take a look and be like, "What the fuck is this?" This is not a mouse. I, I don't enjoy this. And then they just drop the dog. Yeah, yeah. And then the dog obviously is dead because it's falling from, you know, the fucking sky. <laughs> horrible way to start our show. What are we doing? Probably miles and miles away, at least. You don't have to find the carcass of your, you know, chihuahua. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's like they say. That's like a legitimate thing out here. And every now and then I'll see these, you know, these birds of – you call those birds of prey? Birds of prey. Yeah, I, I don't because I'm not a weirdo. But, yeah, I guess you could call them that. So. I'm going to call them birds of prey. I like saying that. So you see these birds of prey just circling, you know, up top. You know, so they're out there. But uh, they've, they've never uh, gone in. But my dog – my such an inside dog. She don't want to be outside. She wants to go outside, take her leak. Come back in and lay on the couch. But she's smart. She doesn't want to get picked up by a hawk. So <laughs> you know, she's smarter than you. So well, there's no question. But she's like me. I just want to lay around the couch too. So the dog <laughs> I was gonna say not much different than you. You just, you know, takes on the get personality up, of the owner. Get up, piss, and then go sit on the couch again. <laughs> so this dog don't have much time. She's gotta be like 12, 13 years old. Clock's ticking, you know. Um I don't know why I brought that up. That's pretty know, morbid. Jesus Christ. This is the worst show ever. I hope you spoil it. I hope you spoil I, it. Uh, I, listen, the dog's going to die soon. I think about it a lot. You know, I think about my own mortality a lot. If you really want to get dark here. Well, you are pretty but, old, uh, so it, it is time to start. Do you have your will all together and stuff? So, I actually don't. Oh, uh, you should probably get that taken yeah, care of now I mean, that you got kids and, and a wife, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I figure. Where's your estate like, going to go? Where are you going to get? Where, where does the, the VOW stock go? You know, if you if you. 
you pass on, who do I have to send the, the invoices to and stuff? So, so who, who, who owes you money in that case? <laughs> right. Um, no, but um, I mean, I figure if I have a Widowmaker, you know, because Bar- I'm married, Barry Wyndham, Barry Wyndham. That's right. It's always going to go to the wife, right? So now I don't need a will. That's probably very wrong. And there's probably a lawyer <laughs> out there. That's legally true. Saying, yeah. Joe, you probably need to write something up. <laughs> but that's just what I assume. You know, and then I figure, eh, you know, all the assets. I don't know if that works in law. Yeah, you might want to, I don't we'll know. just go to TLB. So what's the difference now? There's no need to write anything up, you know? But uh, yeah, maybe I should make a visit to, uh, what do you even call that kind of lawyer? Is it, is it called a death lawyer? What do you call that? Uh, I have no uh, idea. I don't know much about lawyers. Uh, thankfully, but uh, not that they're not fine people, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe like your your strip mall lawyers. They seem like a good job at, at, at you know signing up a will or whatever. Because like some people are like, oh, my family attorney. Like, are you out of your? I never had a family attorney. Are you out of your mind? Like, yeah, what you know, am I? That's they're like, yeah, yeah, go to my attorney. I'm like, your attorney? Like, you have an attorney? Like, it's like, why do you have an attorney? Like, oh, my family's attorney. Oh, okay. Like, what do you? What do you? Dixie Carter? What do you mean? What do you? Know, I've never had any. I know. I, I'm always. I'm always like taken aback by that. Like, why? Like, I barely have a. Fa- we don't even have like a family doctor. We have a family dentist that we all go to. That's it. Otherwise, it's like a case by case basis. You know what I mean? Family attorney. My father never paid taxes. It was, was a contractor. Oh, okay. All right. He's a contractor. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sleazy contractor working seven days a week just to, you know, put a, put a fucking roast beef on the table. We don't have a family attorney. Are you kidding me? I shared a room with my brothers until uh, I was 20 years old. Give me a break. Family attorney. Who are you rolling with, Rich? You got some rich well, friends. You know, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. None of them have a boat yet, though. I'm keep, uh, keep waiting, but one of these days. Uh, they will. All right, let, let's get to the topics. We got let's get to the wrestling. <laughs> I was going to talk about Wally Yamaguchi at the at the beginning, but we, since we talked so much about death at the beginning, I think we'll have to uh, we'll have to shelf that and get back to to, to Wally Yamaguchi in a bit. But um, we got some other stuff as well. Fast lane vroom vroom happened over this weekend, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, New Japan Cup. Uh, what's been going on so far in the New Japan Cup WrestleMania weekend? A little look at uh, what we can kind of expect for WrestleMania weekend. We'll have a much bigger preview, of course, as we get a little bit closer. But uh, I know Joe, you have some thoughts on kind of the things that have been going on WrestleMania weekend as some cards are starting to take shape and schedules are starting to kind of come together. Uh, and also this weekend, uh, ROH 17th anniversary show uh, popping up. So I know that you're uh, you're up and up on uh, your Ring of Honor television. So we'll talk a little bit about that show. Uh, coming up this weekend on pay-per-view. But let's start with Fastlane Vroom Vroom, Joe. Happened this Sunday. We are on the Fastlane Vroom Vroom to WrestleMania. What were your thoughts on Fastlane? You can insert the Vroom Vroom again. I'm going to drop the joke now because it's going to get annoying if I say it every time. But there you go. I'd like to note that the ROH 17th anniversary was not on the run sheet. (laughs) It got added later. I realized it was coming and we probably should talk about it. So I think Rich just remembered. And then I look on the run sheet. I'm like, well, there it is. Uh, yeah, so uh, it may have been added during the intro to this podcast. I cannot uh, cannot confirm nor deny that, but uh, it is it is a late addition to this uh, this episode of the flagship. Yes, yeah. So, um, overall thoughts on Fastlane, which I should note, this Fastlane review is uh, brought to you by Grapple. But uh, this the Fastlane overall thoughts. I was watching this show, and I I'm, I promise you, Rich. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm going to pass the baton to you very quickly. Um, but I was watching this show, and what I was watching was a bunch of perfectly good wrestling matches, right? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't care about any of them. And what I was watching was good. Good bell-to-bell action. Solid action. Good matches. But I just feel so disconnected emotionally from anything happening in this company that 
even though the show was good, I found it hard to watch. Um, I, I even took a break at one point and went and you know put on some college basketball, and I just couldn't sit through. And it wasn't even bad. This is a pretty good show. And I will say this too, that um, this year, 2019, WWE is off to a much better start than they were last year. I mean, the first three months or two and a half months or so of 2019 has been so much. I thought 2018 was a terrible year for the company. Main roster, I'm talking here. I think people understand that. I, I think the bell-to-bell the, the -bell wrestling in 2019 has been pretty good. You know, Mustafa Ali getting called up and Rey Mysterio Jr. and Almas having their matches and the pay-per-views haven't been that bad at all. But man, and this is, I think, is a perfect transition to hand it off to you. But man, this company's storytelling is just not for Joe Lanza. I, I don't give a shit about any of these stories they're telling. And that's even with saying that I think the stories they're attempting to tell, they're doing a pretty decent job of that. And I know you have a lot to say on that. I just don't care for their method of storytelling anymore. Uh, but go ahead, Rich. The floor is yours. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way as you. And and this is this is one of those shows. And, and I mentioned it a few times, but this one it really kind of struck me is as I was watching it and kind of following people talking on Twitter and following you know our staff members on and our Slack chat or whatnot. And people are saying, "Oh, this is good. This is good. I like this." Or you know, there was there was some positivity coming around almost everything about the show. Yet I'm kind of watching this and, and I'm just like glassy eyed. I'm just like dead behind the eyes. I'm just like, yeah, it's good, but I don't. There, there's nothing to sink my teeth into. Nothing that I really care about. And and, and like you said it at times feels kind of like a chore and and i had to sort of and i mentioned this to people too i said i'm so you are enjoying the show and people say yeah, yeah i'm really liking this and i'm like well okay i this company's just i don't it's just not for me then anymore because if like you're really enjoying the show and you really think the stuff is great that's more power to you that is good that is the great thing about wrestling is that everybody has different tastes and everybody has different things uh, that they enjoy but like i'm watching this and i have no emotional investment into what's happening i especially the shield match we're gonna talk about it kind of match by match here in a bit but you know, there's a shield reunion and I see people on Twitter talking about getting, you know, oh my God. And this is unbelievable. I can't believe we're finally seeing the shield again. And oh my God, they're playing their greatest hits and this match is great and all this sort of stuff. And I'm watching it and I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> like, and, and, and that's when I decided it wasn't like, it's not a problem with what they're doing necessarily. We'll get to the problem that they're doing though <laughs> in a bit, but like the in-ring, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing in ring. Like this has been, as you said, 2019 has been a very good in-ring year uh, for WWE so far. And I think the talent wise is starting to emerge and, and the matches that are given time and, and and given stakes are, are delivering big time and Daniel Bryan's been a you know, huge breath of fresh air to the, the the SmackDown roster and and Raw you know you got the tag titles and all that sort of stuff and then the Shield I mean that match was 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 fine it was good and but I, I'm watching it just like with no emotional investment whatsoever I just don't care and it, it, it's just become kind of exhausting and I, I think one of the big things and and it really hit me while watching this show it really just sort of drove me down and and this is not anything new and, and that maybe is part of the reason why I got so annoyed by it and so upset and so exhausted about it is that it isn't something new but the, the just the the idea of the mcmahon's and their control over this company it, for whatever reason on this show it just dragged me down and it just exhausted the hell out of me and i was just i was done with it you know and there was so much during the show and we'll talk about it kind of match by match a little bit but you have obviously the kofi angle where 
you know, Kofi Kingston, you know, wins organically wins the gauntlet and he gets over and people are kind of excited about him. And he, you know, he's, he's got his title shot and he doesn't quite get it. And now we sort of play up this story where he he's begging for an opportunity. He's begging for a chance and Vince McMahon just will not give it to him. Mr. McMahon will just will not give him this opportunity. And he just has to prove it to Vince McMahon that he deserves this opportunity and that, you know, everywhere along the line, he's getting screwed and he's getting told, yeah, you'll be in the match. Oh wait, no, now you're not in the match anymore because I said so. And Kevin Owens is in the match. And then, you know, he comes out here and, and, on fast lane and he's, he's given the triple threat match, but no, no, no. Vince McMahon decides, no, I'm going to screw you over again. It's a handicap match. You don't get your title match or whatever. And then, so that kind of permeated that. And then you get to the actual triple threat match and, and Daniel Bryan comes out and he's just got to like, you know, be okay that this still is a triple threat match, even though that was just kind of a pawn in Vince McMahon's game or whatever. Kevin Owens comes out and this, this infuriated me to no end for some reason is that I think Corey Graves at, at one point, you know, they were talking about Kevin Owens and they were talking about, you know, him, Vince McMahon gifting Kevin Owens this title shot. Vince McMahon gave Kevin Owens this title shot. And, and Corey Graves, who I know is the heel announcer, that's what he's supposed to do. But he's still, he's kind of being the, the, the truth here. And he's basically saying, well, Kevin Owens should be thankful that Vince McMahon gave him this opportunity. This is a tremendous opportunity for Kevin Owens to have this. And then, you know, Mustafa Ali comes out and he gets booed because the fans don't want Mustafa Ali. They want Kofi Kingston, which, by the way, getting Mustafa Ali booed is, is quite the accomplishment. But they got him booed. And 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 I hear about, oh, this is, this is a huge chance for Mustafa Ali. Mr. McMahon has given Mustafa Ali this unbelievable chance to do this. And I'm just like, Oh my God, here we go. And then the Becky stuff. And we're not even to the Becky thing yet. And that's the same thing where Becky wins the Royal Rumble. Okay, she's going to WrestleMania to face Ronda Rousey. No, not so fast. Vince McMahon decides, nah, you're not going to do that. So then the McMahons decide, oh, you know, Stephanie and Triple H decide, oh, no, actually, she will get the title shot because she did this. And then Vince McMahon says, no, she's not. And you got to do this at Fastlane. And I'm appointing Charlotte to the, the, the match. So Becky Lynch comes out. Oh my God, what an opportunity for Becky Lynch to, to do this. And what, oh my God, what a great chance for Becky Lynch to prove that she deserves to be in this main event spot or whatnot. And it just, it was so exhausting on the show to say, I, Joe, I just, I miss the days where stories could progress without people sucking up to a McMahon or a McMahon deciding that this is what should happen or, or this opportunity and chance and decision. Like, I'm just sick of these words. I just want people to win and lose matches. You know what I mean? I just want Becky Lynch to win the motherfucking Royal rumble and get a fucking title shot because she won the goddamn Royal rumble. And we'll get to the specifics of that story too. I just want Kofi Kingston to get the title shot because he's winning a bunch of fucking matches. And Daniel Bryan realizes that, that he's the number one contender or Kofi says, Daniel, I have been winning all these matches. I deserve a shot at that title. And Daniel just says, yeah, okay, you do. You've been winning a bunch of matches on SmackDown. Yeah. All right, let's go. Like, I just miss those days. Like, why does everything have to be a McMahon control, an opportunity, a gift, uh, oh my God, they should really be thanking Vince McMahon or they should really be proving to Vince McMahon or they should be doing like enough of this stuff. It's up and down this show and it was exhausting. Every baby face that matters has to overcome the most overwhelming odds of all time. Yeah, and they're just doing their hand in hand. It's just like the worst part too is like these segments where it's like Kofi and the New Day being like, I can't believe, you know, you, he deserves this. He's been doing this and like the stuff they're doing with Kofi on its face in a vacuum is good. Kofi's been busting his ass for years and years and years and wants an opportunity and wants a chance. I get it. The problem though is that permeates the show and it's permeated the show for decades now is that same story of I've been doing this and you won't give me a chance. I'm sick of opportunities. I'm sick of chances. I'm sick of just fucking win matches and get a, you know, get a title shot, right? Like it's not that (laughs) win a Royal rumble and get a title shot. It's not that hard. (laughs) Like, I was so checked out of the handicap match with the bar and Kofi Kingston. It's like, 
Why would I be alone. invested in that? 15,000 people were the same way too. And why would, yeah, go on with your thing. And then I have a kind of a follow-up to the why, what I care and why would I be invested? Because why would I be invested in that? Like we've seen it a million times. We know where it's going. Um, you know, we know that's not going to be the end for Kofi Kingston. And and it's just tired and, and, and told and the same stories told over and over again. But Rich, let me play devil's advocate a little bit. In this case, though, with both Kofi and Becky, we agree that they're just telling the same stories over and over. Um, I, to me, the Becky story lost me weeks ago. I, to me, there's no appeal in seeing Becky Lynch limp to the ring, <laughs> fighting against all odds, um, you know, bickering with the McMahons, trying to lobby into a match that I know damn well she's going to end up in anyway. It, ha- it holds zero appeal to me. We have talked zero about Ronda Rousey and the route they've taken where she's a pew pew. She's shooting rich. We've talked zero about that. Yeah. And we've never gotten together to discuss why we haven't talked about it. But the reason is, and this is the first time we've ever spoken to each other about this. So tell me if I'm wrong. The reason we haven't discussed the Becky Ronda Charlotte storyline at all on this show is because rich, we just don't care. It's overdone. It's, it's boring. It just makes my eyes roll. I cannot get into it. So I am totally disconnected from that storyline. At this point, when it comes to Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey and Charlotte, I don't give a shit how we get there anymore. When we're there, I just hope it's a good match. That's all I care about at this point. This story is so corny to me. And so just, but but here's my point. When it comes to Kofi and Becky, we concede that we don't like this stuff. But would you at least also concede that, at least in these two cases, it's working for their fan base? Even if it's overdone as the same shit that we've been seeing for years and we happen to be tired of it, because the Kofi thing seems to be working. Yeah. Um, The promo on SmackDown, uh, where he knocked it out of the park, the fans chanting for Kofi in the three-way at Fastlane, which was the idea of putting Mustafa Ali in it, yeah, you throw Mustafa Ali under the bus, which is stupid. Yeah, I mean, come on. But eventually, they came around and cheered him. They did, yeah, because he's which so speaks, good. And he which speaks ass, more. Yeah. To, yeah, that speaks more to Mustafa Ali than it does to the book. The booking bear, threw him under the bus, poor, threw the poor guy under the bus. And that's why they booed him to begin with, because he wasn't Kofi. But he eventually won the fans over, because he's Mustafa Ali. And until they eventually teach the fans that he's never going to get pushed, which is going to happen, they're going to keep cheering him. But we've seen this story before, too. But this, in, in these two cases, I think we have to be fair. Uh, people are into this Kofi thing, and there is going to be mega heat for that gauntlet match. Am I going to be into that gauntlet match? No, because I am so bored with that bullshit. Okay? And he's going to go through Rowan at the end. That's why Rowan scored the pinfall and the tag on SmackDown. That was actually pretty good booking because they wanted to establish a, a Rowan right there. And then present him as the roadblock for the gauntlet the next week. And he's also Daniel Bryan's henchman. So it works. So I understand why Eric Rowan scored the pin on SmackDown that people were complaining about. That was a good piece of booking. Because that's going to be Kofi Kingston's final obstacle at the end of that gauntlet match. It's going to be Rowan, which all makes sense. So you want to make him look strong. But And there's going to be – and look, that, that place is going to be going bananas for Kofi Kingston. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Because they haven't killed this off. I mean, people are still into this. 
it's it's the old thing. You know, you, you don't necessarily always give people what they want. You make them wait for it. And that's what they're doing with Kofi, and I get it. But it's totally not for me because I've seen this story. He already had a gauntlet match to get in the eliminate. Now he's having another gauntlet match. Now he has to have a handicap match at Fastlane. Enough of just constantly stacking the deck. It's working this time. But how many times have they done this sort of thing and no one cares? But they always go back to the same playbook. So, Rich, I'm not going to throw roses at their feet because it happens to be working this time. And let's not forget that they backed into Kofi. He was never supposed to be in this spot to begin with. So I can't sit here and put them over for this brilliant job they're doing with Kofi Kingston when A, it's the same old shit they always do and it just happens to be working this time. And B, it was supposed to be Mustafa Ali in the spot. They lucked out. Kofi Kingston was a replacement and the fans happened to get behind him. This was nothing they did. They had this handed to them. So I can't give them massive amounts of credit uh, for this. All right, they've made every right move every step of the way since, but I don't know. This wasn't the original idea. If it was, I'd give them a lot more credit for it. But I do think these Becky and Kofi stories are working, even if they're not necessarily for us. What do you think about that? No, I, I think you're right. And, and that's another reason why, again, like as I was watching the show and, and, and seeing the reaction of people and saying, oh, my God, the Kofi thing, that was great. Well done. Or, oh, my God, the Becky thing was well done. Oh, my God. And like, you know, that's where I kind of decide, OK, maybe this, this, this for whatever reason, this company is just not for me anymore. There's just it's just not. Yeah, I'm just not clicking with these stories the same way other people are. And, and, and you know, I appreciate that. And I'm fine with that. Like, I, I I'm, I'm glad that people are enjoying the stories as they're being told. I just think way too convoluted and way too overdone. We, we've seen these same stories and, and, and I get it. Maybe there are people that have only been watching wrestling for 10 years or 15 years or whatever. And this is all they know. I mean, this is all it has been for those that, that time period. It's all it's been for two decades, you know, basically. So if that's all you've watched wrestling and that's your entire scope of wrestling, then yeah, you're probably fine with this because the stories all in all are being told well, in a way the the, the route to get to these stories and to get to where they want to get to, that's where I have a lot of issue with. Because, like, we'll get it. We'll get to the specifics when we get to the Becky uh, uh, Ronda thing. Because I think that is just like, oh my, what are you doing? Just the, it's obvious what to do here. And why are you making this so complicated? And and the Kofi thing, I, I, I honestly, the Kofi story, I don't mind as much. If the Becky thing wasn't happening at the same time, I think I'd really be more invested in this Kofi story because the Kofi thing feels a little bit more authentic. It feels a little bit more organic. As you said, they kind of lucked into it, and I could believe that they kind of all of a sudden got surprised that, that Kofi got over, and now it's sort of catching them you know, a little bit off guard, and they're not quite sure what to do. And they're like, I buy that. I buy the Kofi story. It makes a little bit more sense. The Becky thing, though, is so convoluted and so silly and so just layer upon layer of not making sense to the point where uh, eventually they're getting to where they want to get to, and we know what is going to happen at WrestleMania and it's fine. It's just like the 15 steps you took to get to that point feel totally unnecessary. <laughs> and like, again, we'll get to that specifics when we get to that match. But one thing about the Kofi thing, I'll say this. Why does Vince McMahon, why is he so opposed to this guy having a title match? Never. They've never really explained that. He just doesn't want him to have it. But why? What's the motivation? Yeah. What's he got against them. He wins the matches that were put in front of him. Um, you know, he won the gauntlet to get into the match. Like, like, what's the motivation there? It's right. just they don't know. They don't know what else to do. They yeah, don't. Know they don't know how to get from point A to point B or, or or whatever. They don't know how to get from here to WrestleMania for the next four weeks without a McMahon. Right. The exactly. only story right. they know how. The only story they know how to tell is a McMahon roadblock. So that's why we haven't seen any kind of motive. What is Mr. McMahon's motivation here? We have no clue. It's just. 
we don't know how else to tell these stories and drag this out until Mania unless we put a McMahon in his way and make a McMahon the true foil here, not Daniel Bryan. Well, and that's, bigger, yeah, and, that, and that's a bigger issue, too, is, is that this entire – because all of the McMahons are the puppet masters and, and moving all the, the chess pieces here, ultimately everybody else feels like they're just kind of the toys and, and the McMahons are kind of the and, – and that's fine. That's the story they've been telling for years and years and years and years, but I'm fucking sick of that story. <laughs> you know, I yeah. just want guys to win and get title shots. I just want wins and losses to matter, and I want things to matter because you talked about the investment in a match. Why the fuck would I give any shits? about that triple threat match when I know the McMahons are just going to change it when they want to. Why would I care about Kofi winning if eh, the McMahons are just going to decide to change it? Kofi yeah, they can everything he needed to do, and then they just change uh, yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we can make out do what they care. want anyway. So. I don't care about yeah. the wins and losses because it doesn't matter because the McMahons just going to go, ah, you know what, ah, fuck it. Like, it's literally in canon now for McMahon to just change his mind at the last minute. They've developed a right. story where you can change your mind last minute, and that's the story now, which is well right. and good, but, like, why would I give any fucks about anything that happens if a McMahon is just going to go and change it, whatever, however he wants or she wants when it eventually comes. Rich, I think I think you nailed it. It's just very clear that it's not for us anymore. Yeah, their methods of storytelling are just not for us. I mean, it does nothing for me. I, I was bored watching this show that had perfectly good wrestling and some stories that were over. The Kofi thing's over. Um, you know, like I said, when it comes to the Becky thing, I just do not give a, at least with Kofi, I'm paying attention to it and I'm interested in it to some extent, even if I don't like it, even if I rolled my eyes at the idea of going through another gauntlet match that we all know he's going to win. And, you know, it, it's the, the, the Becky thing though, I have totally checked out. Couldn't care less. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about that story. I cannot wait to kind of break down what they've done to that story. All right, so we'll save it for the match review, but they've they, done they, to it. but they have taken all of the interest I had in Becky Lynch, I have none now. My interest level in Becky Lynch is zero. It's amazing to me because I have no interest in her limping to the ring and fighting on one leg. It does nothing for me because to me, Charlotte should beat her easily in that scenario because I don't like stories like that. I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. But um, what do you say we go through this show now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So let's go through match by match once again. This review of Fastlane is brought to you by Grapple. Rich, did you watch the pre-show match? I did not. Sorry, I didn't get to it. Big E and Xavier Woods defeat Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. You did not watch the pre-show match. Rich, <laughs> did, not, on you. did I miss anything? What did I miss? Well, I didn't watch it either. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Here's the problem. Normally, one of us is responsible and does their job and actually watches the whole show. But I don't think I've watched a pre-show match in a while now either. See, it, it's it's a tough habit to get into if you're not into that. Like like it happened when when Raw went to three hours that first. I like I forgot it because I, I was used to you know Central Time eight p.m. every single Monday eight p.m. every single Monday. I knew that for fifteen years. I just could never wrap my head around the seven p.m. Still to this day, it's like seven thirty, and I'm like, oh yeah, Raw's on. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Like I forget, and like the pre-show, I'm just not used to. I'm adjusting to the four hours, but I'm not adjusting to like at 5 p.m. or whatever central time the pre-show starting. I'm just, I'm just not. And and yeah, I just maybe in time it'll come, but probably not because they already get four hours of my time. Yeah, if it's not a cruiserweight title match, I haven't watched them either. So, um, but we'll continue to do this shtick every time we review a show. So (laughs) it's good. I wouldn't expect nothing less. So So the pay-per-view opener, the Usos defeat the Miz and Shane McMahon. Uh, You want to talk about stories I don't care about? Anything involving Shane McMahon. And <laughs> I thought they broke up already, I'll be honest. 
And why <laughs> does why does the Miz's dad get so much camera time? I, I mean, don't know because he's silly looking. I bet I promise you, Vince McMahon thinks he looks like an idiot. Yeah. Vince McMahon yeah. thinks he's hilarious looking, and anytime they're in Cleveland or Ohio or anywhere near Ohio, Vince wants it. Because I promise, this is totally a Vince McMahon thinks he looks like an idiot thing, right? Because he does look like an idiot. The Mrs. Dad is hilarious looking. I mean, he's a goofy looking guy, I guess. Goofy I looking guy. No, he looks, he's very goofy looking. Just a blue collar looking man. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not yeah, going to be as hard. Vince McMahon loves blue collar looking men. So that, that oh, no, no, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with your, your, your line of. Of you know thought here, but uh, that's probably the case. But here's the thing about it: I don't give a single shit about the Mrs. Dad, the Mrs. Wife, the Mrs. Baby that's coming, the Mrs. Baby that already came. I don't even really care about the Miz that much. Why would I care about his extended family? But they shove his family down your throat. The wife and the kids, I get it because he's got the reality show on USA, which I wouldn't watch if you. Take me to a chair and tased me to keep me awake. I mean, I have no interest in the Miz's reality. The TLB, the TLB isn't a big uh, Miz no. whatever the hell. Yeah, no, she Miz, will. She will put on a Total Divas or Total Bellas, whatever it's called now. I think it's two shows actually, because um, I pay no attention to any of them. But she will put those on as background noise occasionally. Um, but no, you know, Miz and Misses that I've never seen that hit the screen um, in my home. But, um, but yeah, I'm just so tired of The Miz and his extended family. I really don't even have much interest in The Miz. And I have zero interest in anything Shane McMahon does ever. Uh, I, you know, from the minute he came back, I was consistent with that. Now, I, I concede when he came over, when he came back, he was over. He's still over. This dopey storyline is over. So, again, Rich, maybe this shit's just not for us. <laughs> I think it's true, yeah. Okay, because this, this nonsense is over. Um, and this team has been over every step of the way. And, you know, the Usos win. Basically, it came off like a blow-off match, and then, of course, they did the big breakup angle afterwards where Shane McMahon attacks The Miz in front of his dad and uh, puts the boots to him. And uh, get ready, Rich, for a Shane O'Mac versus The Miz WrestleMania <laughs> match. Um, so there you go. But listen, I wonder, I, I wonder if Shane is going to do an elbow uh, from the top rope through a table, you think? I think Shane is probably going to take a dangerous bump. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm just so... Not interested in Shane McMahon. I, I mean, I just don't care. The only thing I'm interested um, in Shane McMahon is just deciding if he's going to die, when he's going to die, and what color his body's. Gonna, you know the old Brock Lesnar thing where you're yeah. trying to decide like what color of purple or what color of red he's going to turn. Now you can sort of project that onto Shane McMahon too, which makes it a little fun too. And I get to answer questions from people that I watch the shows with of why is that man so sweaty? And I, I, I can never answer them. You know, how do you answer the why? Why is that man turning that color and why is he so, so sweaty? I, I just you know, every time though. I'll watch with the nurse, and she'll be like, oh, my God, what's wrong with him? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Are you talking about Brock or Shane? No, it's just Shane. The Brock thing is, like, well-known that that's, you know. But the, the Shane has now adapted the I, I turn purple and I'm in a flop sweat minutes into the match. Well, he's 50. I, I mean, it's not a mystery. You know, I don't care how good a shape you stay in. He's 50. It's hard. You know, not everyone's, you know, Mochizuki. You know, it's, it's, it's tricky at that age. I don't care how much testosterone he's on, which we all know he's on. Oh, and I don't care it, how long he stays you. in the gym, and I don't care, you know, what kind of jujitsu he's doing. He's fifty years old, so it's it's not easy. He gets blown up, you know. Um, and cardio is very different than there's different kinds of shape too. Let's remember that, you know. So who knows? You, you think he's doing hardcore cardio days? Uh, maybe not. No, I can no. tell from his eyes, uh, body that, that he probably know. just cares yeah. about you know what his biceps look like. And look, I'm not knocking him for it. You know, he's probably in better shape than I am. 
Um, <laughs> it's probably true, yeah. I mean, I stay in top peak physical condition, don't get me wrong, but you know, he seems like he's got the time and the means to stay in better shape than me and the ability to buy, you know, testosterone replacement therapy. But you know, it's it's but you know, he may not be doing cardio, you know, so who knows, but that's your answer right there. The guy's 50 years old. He doesn't even use the just for men anymore. He just goes out there gray. He don't care. You know, he's just rocking the gray. He's Mr. Gray, you know? But, uh, but yeah, fans are into this for some ungodly reason. Um, so what do I know? Uh, they do the breakup angle, and uh, they'll have a singles match at the uh, at the WrestleMania, presumably. Rich, what did you think of the Usos versus the Mrs. Chamber Man? Because, listen, as a match, I thought it was fine. I didn't have any problem with the match. Uh, Shane sometimes looks horrendous. I don't think he looked horrendous in this match. Um, you know, the match had decent action. There was a long rest hold in the middle, but, you know, it is what it is. It's the opener. Who cares? Um, what do you think, Rich? What do you think of this one? Actually, I, I enjoyed it a little bit. I went I went three stars with it, and um, I thought it was good. I think the Miz and Shane, for whatever godforsaken reason, they have, like, good chemistry together. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I'm actually, like, I don't care about the story whatsoever, but I'm, like, oddly intrigued by their match at WrestleMania because, like, these two, I don't know why. They're just, like, they're solid enough. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. They shouldn't be. There's no reason for them to be the way they are, but they have a decent little chemistry. They have a little bit of good back and forth between the two. And, and the Usos, I mean, they speak for themselves. So I, I thought this was a pretty good uh, opener. I, I was fine with it. And again, it was another example that the show up and down the, the show, there was a lot of fine and good matches. And, and, and this was one of them, which, you know, I had no issue with this match. I, I, I enjoyed it at times too. Uh, I went three on the dot as well. The, uh, the grapple uh, voters, 3.01 grapple rating for the, the, uh, so we're right on the money, Rich. We are accurate star. Ra- Listen, I, as I've, as we've long suspected. So. That's right. I've been telling you that I am an accurate star raider. And uh, it looks like that you are on my level now, sir, as an accurate star raider as well. As we are right on the money, 3.01 as of this recording on the Grapple app. As we move on to Asuka defeating Mandy Rose with Sonya Deville at ringside. Six minutes and 40 seconds. Hard-hitting match. I actually, this exceeded my expectations. I didn't like that Mandy and Sonya having miscommunication at the end led to the finish. I think Asuka should be able to put away Mandy Rose without any sort of uh, bullshit or shenanigans or, or, uh, or, or excuses. I think she should just beat somebody like that clean in the middle. I don't know where you stand on that, but uh, I thought bell to bell. This was a better match than I thought it would be because I don't really think much of Mandy Rose. There's people who, who do um, I've yet to see it, but I think being in there with someone like Asuka, uh, she was able to carry her to a, a very much uh, what I would call a, a perfect, uh, perfectly perfunctory match. The thing with Mandy Rose is if she's in there with people at her experience level is where uh, she gets in a little bit of trouble. What'd you think of this one? Yeah, see, I didn't. I I thought it kind of stunk. I don't know. I I only went one star with it. I did not like it at all. Okay. I thought it was just kind of sloppy at times, and and it, it was like you said. It was. I guess it was kind of hard hitting. I just don't buy Mandy Rose whatsoever, and the idea of Asuka having yeah. to sell for Mandy Rose, like I, I this match, I would have liked so much more. And and I think the better move to do is just have Asuka go in. Who fucking cares if Mandy Rose loses in thirty seconds to Asuka? You know what I mean? Like who? Mandy Rose will be fine. She'll go out on SmackDown the next week and and be exactly the same character she was before. But instead, Asuka's got to sell for Mandy Rose, which I don't love. And then miscommunication between Sonya and, and and Mandy is the reason Asuka loses, as you said. And I don't like that either. I just think like this is your champion. This is kind of and and her whole reputation is that she's an ass kicker so the idea of her having to go you know seven minutes with you know mandy rose i i I just don't love it so yeah i I did not like the match i think you nailed it i don't buy mandy rose either as a as a physical threat i just don't um we've talked about that the last few weeks with people like uh, kyle fletcher and then people like that mandy rose same thing i don't buy her as the physical threat especially against asuka i have a problem with that i think Mm -hmm. 
Now, Sonya Deville, I can buy her against Asuka because they gave her the MMA background. She legitimately has the MMA background. She comes across a little meaner and tougher, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't buy Mandy Rose as a physical threat, so I think that might be part of the reason that I struggle with her as a wrestler, and that might be unfair. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a little better than you did. I went, I went two and a half on it because um, I thought it was an average match. And, you know, two and a half is an average rating. The grapple voters, Rich, 1.68 average as we record. So uh, grapple had this at 1.68, a little closer to your rating than mine. So so uh, who's the more accurate star writer now, huh? Rich, you're, you're closing in on me, man. <laughs> I'm closing in on you. You may overtake me. the other fast lane. Uh, vroom, vroom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overtake you as the accurate star writer. I'm going to overtake Dave's friend, too. Dave Meltzer's friend, remember? The one that you always talk yes. about. His friend that's a good star writer. Well, that's where that came from. <laughs> yeah. he, he talked about his. Fr- I forget who the guy is. I, no, he never mentioned it by name. He says, "Oh, I have a friend." It was just some random ass conversation. He goes, "Oh, I have a friend," and he's a very accurate star writer. And Brian was like, "Okay." No, he's a guy he goes to PWG with, and actually, um, where was it? I guess it was in Dallas. I saw the guy because him and Dave were at Kaiju Big Battle at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> comparing star rating notes. I saw this with my own eyes. They were like God. bantering back and forth with the matches that they had watched earlier that day. I, I, and so a waffle, I st- while a waffle is in the ring, you know, what I mean? while like, you know yeah, Chris Brooks I, is a waffle in the ring. <laughs> I turned to the person I was with and I was like, that's the accurate star Raider. That's the guy. So, um, cause I recognized them from the, like the PWG photos, you know? So, um, yeah, so that, that, that's where that accurate star Raider thing came from. Uh, next up, of course, we had a segment with New Day and Kofi and Vince McMahon, who, for reasons that still aren't clear, doesn't want this man to have a championship match. So he sends him to the ring. And of course, it's an ambush, Rich, for a handicap match against uh, The Bar, who I think are vastly overrated, not necessarily because of what their abilities are, but because of simply what the output is. Um, you know, people will tell you the bar are a great tag team. I challenge you to uh, state their resume to me then because it just doesn't show. Um, and uh, yeah, so the bar beat up Kofi Kingston for five minutes with uh, Big E and Xavier Woods, of course, banned from ringside because, look, we're one step away from just having Kofi Kingston in a 20-leg gauntlet match with his hands handcuffed behind his back and, uh, you know, he's taped to the ropes. I mean, it's just so stupid. We already kind of talked about it, but um, this didn't really have a ton of heat. Um, uh, no, it had this is boring chance through <laughs> most of it. Yeah, so, yeah. so the fans hated it. They hated it. You know, we, we put over how the story may be over with the fans. This was not over with the fans. Fans did not like this, and I don't think it was from a – I think it was the wrong kind of heat. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was, oh, they're screwing our guy. Let's boo the bar. I think it was, this is fucking garbage. We don't want to watch this. Um. So, yeah, the bar defeat Kofi Kingston. Uh, this was junk. I'm a little easier on bad matches than a lot of people. I think if something is well worked, I have a lot of problems going below two. That's just me. If I go below two, I have to have problems with the work, with the mechanics of the match. So, to me, this was a flat two because there's nothing wrong with the work here. Did I like what I saw? Was I invested in any way whatsoever? No. But uh, I went two stars on this. What do you think of the bar? Handicap match over Kofi Kingston. We know what you thought of the story, but did you have a problem with the way the match was laid out or the work itself? 
no, I think everything was okay. And, and, and I'll be honest, like I only gave it like one star mostly because I didn't think of it as much of a match as more of yeah. like, a segment. Cause it was just it was like the bar kind of beating them down and doing, you know, picking them up and doing that sort of stuff. And, and I, you know, part of me actually applauded them for resisting the temptation of having Kofi win that match. Cause like how many times would like, you know, Kofi just go and like roll one of the guys up or like they'd collide heads and, and Kofi would roll them up in a small package and they'd be like, Oh my God, he did it. I can't believe it. And then man, you have to scurry away the next week to try to screw him over the next time he sees or whatnot so I, i'm actually surprised they resisted that temptation and just had the guys beat kofi kingston because that made the most sense is that kofi would just get beaten down here um so I, I didn't have an issue with kind of the story that they told in the match i just thought it was kind of boring and kind of just a, a segment so i had a tough time rating this one i wanted to give it something so i gave it one star but like it, it's kind of a weird one where i don't know it's not really a match to me as you said it was kind of a segment and and i will um you mentioned you're not sure what Vince McMahon's motivation is. He's never clearly stated this, I don't think, but I be, I'm, I'm believing that the motivation is, and, and and as we're sure that Vince McMahon thinks in real life too, is that like nobody deserves anything. Because that was the contention of the, the Becky Lynch story when it first started, remember? Is that yeah. they wanted Becky to be the heel because she was out there crying and and saying, oh, I, I deserve this title shot or I deserve a chance or whatever. And Charlotte was, you know, doesn't deserve it. She just takes it. You know, you know what I mean? She, she rolled Becky out of the ring and, 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 and got the pinfall, like whatever the hell was that survivor series or whatever. And, and, you know, that was the idea was that Charlotte was going to be the face because she just took, you know, what was hers. And Becky was the heel because she demanded or, or wanted a chance. And Vince doesn't like people that think that way. You know what I mean? Vince wants you to earn your chance. You don't get chances because you deserve it. You, you earn these chances or whatnot. And that's, I think the, the, he's trying to kind of blur the lines there with Kofi and saying, Oh, well, what do you mean? You deserve this chance. Nobody deserves anything. It's I decide when you deserve something or, you know, that's kind of, I think what the motivation is, even though they haven't yeah. stated that. So. I mean, you know, but again, we kind of have to make that up in our head, right? Right. They haven't said that. So that's kind of, yeah. It's just the Mickey Man. Yeah. So anyway, um, you are the accurate Star Raider champion, Rich. This is averaging yes. a zero, a 0. 0.88 on the Grapple app. Keep in mind, you cannot go below 0. 0.25 on Grapple. So you can't give something a zero rating. So at least on Android, you can't. I don't know about iPhone. I don't think you can. I'm assuming it's not different there. So I well, the apps are a little different in several different ways, so I don't know. Let me see. Um, Let me try to see if I can change that rating and see. Uh, ooh, can I do a zero? No, please make a rating. Okay. Yeah, I at least have to do point, uh, two five. So. so my point here is that may, people may actually think it's even worse than the um, <laughs> than the one that I gave it. <laughs> and the 0. 0.88 that it's sitting at right now because I'm sure there's a lot of 0.25s when people really wanted to go zero. And you can't give negative ratings either, obviously. So anyway, uh, moving on, because we've really talked the Kofi thing to death. We had the three-way for the, uh, I believe these are the Raw tag team titles in this case. Uh, the Revival, who lose every week on TV as champions. They are the new Caden Murdoch. They defend against Aleister Black and Ricochet and Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, who for some reason, despite losing the tag team titles and having no reason to be pals, are still teaming together. Because obviously they have nothing else for these two men. Uh, Three-way match here. I thought this was pretty good. Um, I didn't think it was great. But I thought it was entertaining. It had good action. A good, solid, uh, mid-card professional wrestling match. With with some decent action. But nothing more. The Revival retained the titles. Which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Because they clearly have no... They don't see anything in the revival they do not like the because they go on a tv and they lose every week on tv i mean it's you know it's not like they and they've done nothing with the revival 
for the year plus that they were on the main roster. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a team. I don't think that, that they respect, but, um, but they, any, at any rate, they retain the titles here. And um, it was a decent little match. What'd you think of this one? Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting too, is the, the, the finish of the match, which saw the Re- revival win and then immediately get beaten down. They won the match. Oh my God, the revival won. And then Rude and Gable come in and beat the fuck out of them. And then Alistair Black and Ricochet beat the fuck out of Rude and Gable. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Yeah. These are quote unquote champions. <laughs> they just got beaten immediately. But, but, but they're never booked to look good. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're booked as kind of buffoons. And they're never booked to look good. And quite honestly, with their gimmick, Vince McMahon is never getting behind them because they represent old school Southern wrestling. And that's like the antithesis. Yeah, of not his wheelhouse at all. <laughs> he's been trying to get away from that. You know, he's been running from that for years. He changed Ken Anderson's name. Or they, they you know, they changed Ken Anderson's name to Ken Kennedy because Anderson had Southern wrestling connotations. I mean, you know, these are the kind of lengths that he's gone to over the years to get away from that, you know, calling the championships, not calling them straps. I mean, that's all comes from rebelling against Southern wrestling. So this is just a team that he's never going to take seriously. The titles mean nothing. Uh, They're firmly, I mean, I would call the revival a lower mid card act. Is that fair? Oh, for sure. No, no doubt. And they're tag team champions. It just, it devalues the titles when you treat the champions that way. I mean, just put them on a team you respect um, and, and book the titles well. And this is crazy, Rich. The titles might mean something, and you might be able to draw a little money with them and all those sorts of things. But why even bother having that discussion? But, uh, yeah, the Revival win, they take the beat down. The uh, well, actually, you're you're on a roll here. What do, what do you rate this one before I pull up the? Graphic? All right, let me get to it. So one thing I wanted to say about the match itself that Ricochet is just awesome. Yeah, like I don't know why Alistair Black and Ricochet are a team. I don't know if they've even established why they're a team. Why like good looking flippy dude and like satanic guy that Neil that like Indian style sits in the ring. Like why they're a team, but um, whatever it doesn't matter, I guess. But uh, Ricochet is incredible, and it's unbelievable that this guy it took that long for him to get to this company, and and, and the stuff he does still blows people away. On, on a daily basis and they could have done this they could have had this guy for years and they just never chose to have him so i'm glad they have him now though uh, i'm glad things are going pretty well but i joe am a three and a quarter for this match what did the grapple users give it i went three and a quarter as well the grapple users say 3.35 okay right so we stay we stay even then we stay even on that on that i think that's pretty much right on the money i mean you're a tenth of a point off there so uh rich is on a roll here and rich i gotta ask you are these your ratings, or are you trying to guess the No, ratings? no, I'm not. No, these no, these are, are my ratings. ratings. These are my All ratings. All right. Fair enough. Once again, the Fastlane review is brought to you by Grapple. You should download the app. If you think these these ratings are out of whack, you can go in there and have your say. Changes, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you thought that that three-way was a four-and-a-half star <laughs> match. Get in that Grapple app and, and have your uh, say your piece. Anyway, we move on. Oh, we should say as well, G-R-A-P-P-L as well. So if you're looking for that app, that's if you're right. typing in Grapple and you're not coming anything up, that's why. It's G-R-A-P-P-L, uh, App Store, Google Play as well. So. Four-way for the United States title. Samoa Joe survives uh, and comes out of this match as champion, which also involved Andrade, R-Truth, and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio taps out to the uh, 
what's Samoa Joe calling that? The, is it the Coquina Clutch? Is it? Uh, is it still the Coquina Clutch? I don't know. That's how I'll, I'll always remember it as Coquina Clutch, but I don't know if that's actually what he's calling it anymore. So I think he is. But anyway, at any rate, Samoa Joe retains. This was very similar to the three-way tag, I thought, in that it had good action. There was one really good sequence of dives in this match that I thought was a lot of fun that everybody nailed. And there was a lot of talented people in this match, so it was going to be pretty hard for this thing to be bad. Again, I don't think it was great, but I thought it was a really strong mid-card match, and I was happy to see Samoa Joe retain the title. I like long title reigns. I don't like titles bouncing around. Maybe we can keep this thing on him for a while. But uh, decent little match here with Samoa Joe retaining. What do you think of beating Mysterio, though, when R-Truth is right there? Yeah, the thing with R-Truth, though, is I think that they think more highly of him than we maybe think they do. And that, that has, right. you know, there's been some people talking about when John Cena needs a match for WrestleMania is a possibility that R-Truth could be that guy. It seems so bizarre to say that. But I think that they value, for whatever reason, whether I, you know, kind of get it or not, I think they value R-Truth a little bit more then they value Rey Mysterio right now. And that, that, sh- that was evident in that match because why would you not have R-Truth take the fall there? But he's really, you know, just recently was the U.S. champion. You know, he's a guy that potentially they have some things in, in mind for WrestleMania for him. So I think it just tells you where Rey Mysterio is at this point. And, and the other thing with Mysterio too is I don't know that it really matters. You know, Rey Mysterio is a guy who I think could lose for the next three years and nobody would really care or matter. Like he would come out, he would do his same little thing. He'd have his fun little moves and have his fun little matches and he'd lose. And I don't think anybody would, would really care you know it wouldn't be like oh my god this guy's such a geek it's just like yeah well Rey Mysterio lost whatever like you know so I think that they think he's kind of Teflon now and they might be right in that assumption too so could have been worse they could have beat Andrade right I mean <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of those two would have been fine with so the thing with our truth again and that's the theme of this review is I think it's another example of this because it's because the act with Carmella is over it'll never be over with me but it may again speak to just this company may not be for us anymore because I don't understand it. I think our truth is a fun prelim act at best. And if he, you know, anytime he ascends even to the mid card, like he did here, I think a guy like that should lose. He's 48 years old or whatever it is. Um, he's, he's kind of has a gimmick where it's, it's mostly comedy. That's not a guy who should ever, get any kind of a push that matters in my opinion i i understand he's over as a prelim act but i think that's where a guy like that belongs at this stage of especially at the stage of his career um you know and the thing with carmella i get it people think it's fun they get decent reactions i know kids really like our truth and carmella and there's value in that I, I you know i'm not saying there's no value in that i don't think this has to be you know this doesn't have to be rings this doesn't have to be uwfi where guys you know it's a super <laughs> serious competition that's not what i'm suggesting but I do think there's a limit to where a guy like R-Truth should be. And and it's just, I think you're right. I think the reason, you know, Ray takes a fall here instead of R-Truth is they see, they value him or see him a little bit higher than we do. And I think that's really what it comes down mm-hmm. to. Um, all right, uh, Mr. Accurate Star Raider, what'd you have here? Uh, this might be the one where I, I, I deviate a little bit here. I went three and a quarter. So I don't know what the grapple users gave. But I was three and a quarter for this one. I'd be in the same neighborhood. Uh, the grapple users have this one at 3.77. So not bad. Not bad. Uh, not terrible, Rich. You're not that far off there. Okay. Phew. As uh, we move on to the boss and hug connection, a name that I cannot stand. <laughs> God. So bad. How horrible is that? It's horrible. It's, it's a bad name. Um, so the um. boss and hug connection, uh, taking on Nia Jackson, Tamina. 
I didn't think much of the match at all, but this was more about, I thought the post-match angle anyway, where it was probably a matter of time before they got Beth Phoenix involved in something. So Nia Jax and, and uh, Tamina uh, beat the shit out of, out of Beth Phoenix, who was wearing these heeled uh, thigh high boots, which were not conducive to running around a wrestling ring. So thankfully she was just on her back taking a beating. Cause I would hate to see her turn an ankle or break a leg trying to run around in those things. And, uh, and the save was made by Natalia. So we're probably going to get a tag team match between uh, the two giants, Nia Jax and Tamina against the two veterans. And uh, one of which is a hall of famer, rich um, Beth Phoenix and Natalia. What'd you think of all this? Um, yeah, the angle, it, it, interesting enough, I guess. I, I, I'm not too excited about seeing Beth and, and Natalia back to, I mean, Beth Phoenix was somebody who, you know, I, I enjoyed her work when, you know, when she was active or whatnot, but I don't know that I'm like clamoring. Oh my God, I can't wait to see Beth Phoenix back in the ring again. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I think they have enough women on the roster that I don't know that you need to bring her back, but whatever, if they want sort of the convincing, cause she is bigger than a lot of the other women that they have now. So, so I guess I get from that standpoint, she looked like she was in great shape too. So, I mean, that'll be interesting, but I'm kind of bored of anything with Natalia too. I mean, she's been kind of up in the top of the company for what feels like years now, just kind of toiling away, just doing like little stuff here and there. So, uh, um, oh, well, I mean, you know, she's, uh, She's got a job and a push for life, my friend. Because, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> they nearly killed her husband. So that's, yeah. uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. So there, there's that, of course. But uh, this match, I think we need to have, um, you know, we've kind of towed it around the line a little bit. We need to have a real talk about Nia Jax and Tamina. They are horrendous. Yeah, they're terrible. They need to not, like, Nia Jax needs to never wrestle in a match again. She's going to hurt somebody very seriously. She's terrible at everything. And Tamina, I don't understand Tamina. I do not understand how you could wrestle for as long as she has and i swear to god joe every time i see her she's worse how is this possible she is she is lapping bad luck folly in the every time i wrestle i get worse thing bad luck folly is very close we'll talk about him in a little bit as well to me though it's like egregiously awful more than she was egregiously awful the last time you saw her it's i, I don't get it with all the reps that these people get with all the she's been in this, she's been in this company for a decade now right and she's yeah. horrible. She can't like they tried to do. I felt like they almost killed Sasha Banks. They tried to do what was it? And, and they like they're way ambitious with what they do too, which I'm sure Sasha Banks too. What was the one where they tried yeah, to do Sasha a back body drop to Sasha, and then Nia was going to catch her in like a Samoan drop? And it just no, don't yeah. do that with these people. <laughs> don't know. Like yeah, how would you ever trust that they wouldn't fuck that up? And they fucked it up so bad and so royally. But yeah, Nia Jackson, Tamina, we have to have a real long discussion about that. They need to. I, I don't know what it is, but with so much, so many talented women in the world and so many talented women on this roster, there is no need whatsoever to have Nia Jackson, Tamina regularly wrestle for you. Listen, I'm waiting for Bailey and Sasha Banks to go on this tour of the brands and defend <laughs> against. I, I want to see that. I mean, well, they say it. That. They say it every time, but they haven't really. You know. Yeah, they should have been in NXT going against. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they should have NXT and cut a promo, but they ain't wrestle anybody. At least that hasn't aired yet. I don't read spoilers. But yeah, go to NXT UK and 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 let's get a defense going there. Yeah, Kaylee Ray and Nina Samuels, whoever the fuck. I don't care who it is. I think there's something interesting there, bouncing from brand to brand and defending these titles. I think I thought that was something creative that they came up with that that sounded interesting, and I want to see that. But I'm with you. I don't want to see Nia Jackson Tamina anymore. I mean, it's just, they're bad. They do have a presence. I'll give them that. They're, they're, because they're so much bigger than all of the other women, and they do come across menacing at times. Tamina, 
sometimes, I guess, not always. She kind of just looks bored a lot of the time too, but she does do a good mean mug. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're not good wrestlers at all. And, um, and it does, it does shine through, especially again, with, with, you know, on a show like this, where all the matches are pretty good and all the work is pretty solid. And a lot of the dregs of the roster weren't really on this show. You know, they had all a bunch of quality wrestlers on this show, having quality matches. It really sticks out, you know, when Tamina and Nia Jax are out there blowing spots. So, uh, and, and look, Sasha Banks isn't really the best opponent for them from that perspective because, again, like you said, she's overly ambitious. Sometimes. Right? She's like, "Oh, well, let's do this, let's do that." It's like, nah, just these people can't do anything. Just don't, just don't. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's that. Um, what did you rate this, Rich? Oh, what did I give the rating? Hold on, let me fire it up here real quick. I have it on this other doc. I went, I went one and a half stars with this one. Did not like it much. Rich showed up with notes. Yeah, I went 175, and uh, the Grapple users for this one, Rich, it is currently at 1.89 on the Grapple app. So as we move on to the business end of the card, the two, the uh, three top matches, first of which we spoke about this match a little bit. This was Daniel Bryan, and it was supposed to be Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens. They inserted Mustafa Ali into the match instead of Kofi Kingston which got poor Mustafa Ali booed. We got some We Want Kofi chants. Now, listen, that's what they wanted to get out of this. Yes. So by design, that was successful. Yeah, it worked exactly how they wanted it to, and, and, and it worked right. successful. Like, was it the right move? Like, I you know, I don't know if Mustafa Ali's the guy I would sacrifice there. It also didn't make sense to me why Vince McMahon, the heel, put Daniel Bryan, the heel, in a two-on-one situation against two baby faces and Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. Daniel Bryan seemed to have no issue with it randomly being a triple threat match. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot of weirdness. Like, why did Vince choose Ali? You, you know, like, what did Ali do to deserve that? It's just, again, like, it's just puppet master stuff. What does like, Ali, why do I care? Why does Ali deserve it and Kofi doesn't? Right. There's no... <laughs> it's just puppet master shit, and I hate that. It's just like... Yeah, and it's like, and again, if, if, what it's obviously working for a large segment of the fan base, but I'm sorry. It doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, Cause it just, I, there's just no semblance of logic whatsoever. It's just to screw with Kofi Kingston. Right. But again, why Mustafa Ali? Yeah. Well, why Owens in the first place too? I mean, they just, you know, Owens just came out. <laughs> they set up. Kevin too, Owens, yeah. You're in the match. And Owens isn't even a heel. He's supposed to be a baby face. You're right. So that doesn't make sense. Either. You think Vince McMahon would align himself with heels as opposed to, to baby faces is just none of it fucking makes any sense. I this is why I can't give them a ton of credit for <laughs> I it. I know that's what I mean. Like if you apply any amount of like storytelling logic to it, it immediately breaks down, but I whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, then can we be honest about this? Maybe it's the low standards of the WW typical WWE viewer. Possibly, yeah. They just have low standards. They don't give a shit what kind of garbage or shovel to them. Um, and maybe that's conditioning from years and years of giving them garbage and they're just used to it. Maybe they don't want to think that hard. I don't want to think that hard either. I just want a semblance of. of <laughs> it's not that logic. hard. It's for wrestling. We yeah, always I'm say not, this. It's not fucking hard. <laughs> I don't want to pull an Emily Pratt here and go tell people to read a book, but I'm just saying, I, I, you know, give me some semblance of logic. That's all I'm asking. Right. Um. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not asking for for it to be super deep. You know. Uh, well, like you I, said, like okay, you brought up the King Kong Bundy thing, and I mentioned this to you off air. Like you brought yeah. up last week, we were talking about King Kong Bundy. Well, I was working on some freelance websites and stuff on Saturday night or whatever. I had a real cold night, of course, by myself, sitting in my room in the dark, and I decided, let me, uh, you know, let me, I'm going to watch the Saturday Night's Main Event angle that you were talking about. So I ended up watching that entire Saturday Night's Main Event, and it's it's not rocket science. Big King Kong Bundy came out, beat the fuck out of Hulk Hogan. 
And Hulk Hogan said, well, I want to face you at WrestleMania now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Don Morocco's out there going, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to beat, I'm going to beat Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. And knowing he's a pawn, he goes out there, King Kong Bunny comes out, beats the fuck out of Hulk Hogan, stomps him. Hogan's carried away and the fans are gasping and they get a match at WrestleMania. Then Hogan beats him. It's like, you know, it's not that hard. It's not difficult. Yeah, you know, it's like Jack Tunney didn't come out and tell King Kong Bundy that you don't deserve this and I'm going to put, you know, Big John Stud in your spot and you're going to have to win a gauntlet match <laughs> against Billy Jack Haynes, Coco Beware, and 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 uh, and Paul Roma uh, before I allow you to wrestle Hulk Hogan and uh, we're going to make it a three-way. and no, None of that. He got in the ring. He attacked Hulk Hogan. It looked great. Bobby Heenan fucking was phenomenal in because it's the first time you watch that angle, correct? Yes, I had never seen it before. Right, the, you know, and Bobby Heenan's going nuts and waving, you know, in Morocco, he's just an asshole heel, so he's like, "Fuck it, I'll put the boots to him too. Why not?" So they're in there just beating Morocco has nothing to do with Heenan and Bundy, you know, but he's in there. He's like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll be like, I don't like Hogan either." <laughs> yeah, so, fuck this guy. Yeah. So you know, he's putting the boots to him, and the announcers are screaming, fans are squealing. Okay, they're going nuts, and that's it. Effective builds. Bundy looked like a fucking killer. He doesn't have to jump through hoops to then earn the match. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have Jack Tunney, you know, throwing obstacles in his way or anything else. It's just, you know, and then you have your match at WrestleMania and, and, and Hogan beats him and overcomes the ribs and wins it in the cage and, and away you go. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not rocket science. It's not I mean, hard. You're right. And, and, that, and look, and, and, and I put over how great that angle was and you finally watched it and you concurred. You're like, yeah, that was really fucking great. And it wasn't fucking sending rockets to the moon, and it wasn't overly complicated. That's not what we're asking for here. All we want is a semblance of logic other than, you know, just – and I get the idea of putting heat and putting heat and putting heat on it. And, you know, to some extent, it's working. But, uh, but uh, you know, I will say – well, I'll say with the Becky thing, I'm not convinced that she's some kind of super draw now. You know? It's like, you know – She's not popping ratings, and and there's no evidence that Becky Lynch is moving any needles, despite the fact that there's this perception that she's super hot. I mean, that's just a fact. But my argument is still for the one-on-one match because I think it's clearly someone who could get super hot. Clearly, there was something simmering and burning there with Becky Lynch. Yes, yeah, right. And to me, I'd rather just give her the clear focus. That's always been my argument to that. And then maybe she does end up catching fire and becomes not just a perception thing, but a legitimate megastar. So uh, anyway, I digressed a bit. Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Mustafa Ali. I thought this was the best match on the show. I thought Mustafa Ali, um, as per the usual, and he's going to, you know, he, he takes risks and takes bumps that, that no one else really does on 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 this roster and this isn't exactly a roster that coasts i mean a lot of people work hard on this roster but he just does things that look different and i get it he's the new guy and 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 he wants to stand out and all those things um but he really does and and even on 205 live i used to talk about it every week on the reviews the guy just takes wild bumps he took a bunch of wild bumps here the spot where he came off the the top turnbuckle dove to the floor and gave Daniel Bryan a tornado DDT. Oh my God. <laughs> what a spot. I mean, that was one of the, the, the best spots I've seen in the last month. I mean, that was just phenomenal, um, you know, to, to, to nail it too. It looked great. You know, you, that's the kind of spot where you can give them a break if it's a little sloppy or, you know, it doesn't connect. No, it was a perfectly executed spot. So Ali looked great. They, prote- they protected Kevin Owens here. 
Ali took the pin, which is fine. I mean, he's still the guy on the come up. Uh, a little too much Eric Rowan for my tastes. But again, they're trying to establish Eric Rowan as a legitimate threat. And, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan's a heel, so he's got the he's got the heater outside. He's got the bodyguard out there. Oh, ah, what'd you call him? Oh, sorry, Rich. Sorry, Rich. Well, please correct his me with the uh, peer. Yes, his Eric intellectual Rowan. peer, uh, Eric Rowan. The new Daniel Bryan. The new Daniel Bryan is intellectual peer. Eric yeah, I'm, I'm screwing up all over the place. It's the KO, KO, yeah, the new Daniel Bryan versus KO. Honestly, it's about Rowan. I mean, he looked great on SmackDown. No, he's I, been good. I like this a lot. I mean, yeah, it's we, he was good. You know, there was a time where he was solid. Like in the Wyatt family, he wasn't like the, he wasn't dragging that shit down. You know what I mean? Like in those tri- in those six man matches with the Shield, he wa- he was fine. He he was. It was just that Luke Harper was really great, and the Shield guys were all fucking awesome. And, and Bray Wyatt was still pretty decent at that point too. But like Rowan wasn't like he was probably the worst of the six. But it wasn't like he was. This dramatically terrible guy, and I think, yeah, I, I've enjoyed him so far. What, what do you see? I disagree. I always found him awkward and uncoordinated. Like he always came off to me like a guy who was always on the verge of tripping over his own feet and couldn't handle his like he was he was big, but but totally uncoordinated and too big for uh, for, for his own good. And but but he really is coming off like a hoss now and. Um, you know, I thought he looked good on SmackDown and there was a little too much of him in this match. I thought, I thought he hurt the match. I thought the interference spot interference spots actively hurt the match. I will but, say um, this uh, about this one too, before you kind of, cl- uh, uh, close it off is for triple threats. You know, I usually have my same kind of annoyances about triple threats. Yeah. And there was some time to time where like a guy would be out of the ring and it was just two on two, but for the most part, they kept all three involved at every point. And, and if a guy was out there selling, he'd be right back in, you know, in about a minute or two or whatnot. So, so I enjoyed that because they didn't fall into the trope of like, you know, Oh, Ali got taken out. So now it's just these two guys. And it's just always like, you know, when that happens, you're always just like, why don't we just have a match between these two guys then it's much better, but they, they found a way to kind of find a nice balance with it. I thought so. I went four flat on this, and I thought it was uh, the best match on the show. What would you think of this match? I went. All right, give me the notes here. I don't know why. I'll go <laughs> right to the rating. Going right, right to the rating. To the rating. Oh, you want? Rich okay, no, you want the, the okay. No I, I meat thought... potatoes from Rich. He's just the fucking. Right <laughs> no, I just I gave you my analysis. I thought it was pretty good. I thought Ali t- took some crazy bumps though. The stuff that Ali took, good bumps too. I mean, the stuff, there was one where yeah. he went to the top rope, and I think it was Brian that I think drop kicked him, and he just like went flying into the barricade or whatnot. Really good stuff there. I thought Owens uh, looked really great. I thought this, yeah, all in all, like as a triple threat match. Really good stuff. I mean, I went four flat with it and and, and really did enjoy it. So um, good stuff. I mean, it just felt it, it ultimately felt kind of unnecessary and, and weird. And, and I didn't like the story that was going into it. But, you know, when it was all said and done, the match itself, you know, in a vacuum was really good. Uh, grapple Raiders 3.99. So we are in line with the Grapple Raiders almost uh, to the number on that one as we move on to Becky Lynch. And Charlotte Flair, this was Becky limping to the ring with the crutch. The idea was if she won, the match at WrestleMania would be a triple threat. Um, this was hard for me to begin with because I just don't care about the story whatsoever. <laughs> I just want to get to WrestleMania, and I just want it to be a good match. And I think it will be a good match, provided it's not an overbooked mess. We know it's going <laughs> to – now listen, Come on. I know you're laughing. Now, now let me defend myself here. <laughs> we know it's going to be overbooked. Yes. Okay? But – so I, I'm, I'm, I, there's a little bit of a leash there, all right. I'm not expecting again, you know, a, a scientific matchup between these three with with no shenanigans or anything. I understand it's going to be overbooked to an extent, but as long as it doesn't go over the top and right. delve into absolute ridiculousness, I just want a good match. It's all I'm concerned with. I don't care about the story at all anymore. 
don't care about Ronda shooting, have no opinion on it. Don't ask me my opinion. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I just don't give a shit. Um, I don't, I'm tired of Becky Lynch having the, the odds stacked against her. Let's just get to the fucking match already and let's do it. I will say this. I think Charlotte has been phenomenal all the way through. I think her promos have been great. I think she's the right kind of annoying. I, um, I think what you really need someone in her position to be is a fucking bitch. And she's been phenomenal in the role. Yeah. Um, she's done exactly what she's needed to do. She's very hateable um, in this scenario. And I think she's done a, a, a really good job. Um, but as far as this goes, look, this wasn't a match. This was a, basically an angle for Ronda Rousey to come down. Lynch wins by DQ, which I suppose rich means that she is now in the, uh, in the match at WrestleMania because technically she won the match. So, uh, do you have anything else to add to this one? Oh boy, do I have stuff to add? Okay, <laughs> you know what I was. As oh yeah, that's right. This is your. I forgot. This, this is, is yeah. Oh my god, the, the path again. They got to what they wanted to get to. They got to Becky, Charlotte, and Ryder. They've made the triple threat. Interesting. You know, there was a time where people met, you mentioned that triple threat and people lost their minds. Why is it a triple threat? Oh my god, I can't believe it. I'm still love that mind. I would have rather Becky just win the rumble and face Ronda. I think you could have told that story perfectly fine. You know, <laughs> I would have rather the one-on-one because it's going to put the spotlight on Becky because, like you said, I think she's going to catch fire. I think she has the most potential to catch fire. But I'll give it to Charlotte. Charlotte's been great in this story. I think the story, ultimately, when it gets to its end, which is probably going to be Becky Lynch, you know, r- winning at WrestleMania or whatnot, holding the title up, it's going to be a good story. You know what I mean? Like, the match that they're going to tell and the story they're going to tell ultimately and the, the finish of that story will be good. We're all, it, you know, it's, it's where we want to be. But what they had to do to get to this point is just ridiculous. So what, so here's kind of a recap, Joe, and I want you to kind of follow along with me as well. Becky Lynch uh, gets hurt in her match with Asuka. She loses at the Royal Rumble. She demands to be put in, you know, and, and you know, as she walks out and says, no, I want it to spot in the Royal Rumble. I want to be there. So she wins the Royal Rumble. She's got the match against Ronda, right? Yeah. She refused. Yeah. She, uh, she won the Royal Rumble, correct? Yeah. So she, she's, she's already should have limping, it. She's been limping from that point forward. <laughs> like for three months now. <laughs> the rest of this company get hit by a car and they're back the next week. She's Because being know. healthy and overcoming these obstacles isn't enough. She also <laughs> has to be one-legged throughout this entire uh, debacle. But right. go ahead. So she comes out on Raw and she's she's limping and then McMahon's here we go. Inserting the McMahons immediately. They go, well, in, unless you get medical attention, we just cannot allow you to have that match at WrestleMania. You, you have to get checked out by the doctors. So she gets checked out by the doctors. Uh, Vince says, no, it's not good enough. <laughs> you know, it's not enough for you to get checked out by the doctors. Um, Shane and Triple H go, ah, we're fine. That's good. Yeah, good enough for us. So that, that story's kind of done with them. Then you get to this weird, as you said, like the work shoot bullshit stuff with, okay, well, now you got to earn this and 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 that we're doing on Twitter and all these sort of, we're not even talking about the Ronda Rousey angle part of this as well. I'm just talking about just like the, like what we've seen on TV. You, you know what I mean? Like what we're kind of knowing from what we see on TV. And and the other parts about that too that, that, that I found super interesting about this actual story as well is that, okay, so Becky is hurt and she's in this match against Charlotte. So I hear a bunch of people saying, well, you can't just have Becky win this match against Charlotte because she's injured. And what is that going to make Charlotte look like? Well, Becky doesn't have to be injured. <laughs> you know what I mean? She could be fine. She could just recover from the injury she had two months ago, or she doesn't have to be booked against Charlotte flair, but I get it. People say, Oh, well, you know, she can't just go out there and beat Charlotte. I get it. Right. So Ronda Rousey has to go in there <laughs> into the ring and beat up Becky to get her disqualified so that she could be in the main event of WrestleMania because Ronda Rousey wants her in the main event of WrestleMania. Right? Yes. So she waits nine minutes into the match to decide, you know what? I'm going to go out here and fuck this match up and, and make sure right. that Becky gets in there. Where at any point in the match, Charlotte looked, and, and that match, 
Charlotte was dominating that match. Charlotte was destroying Becky throughout this match because it made sense. Becky's one-legged. Charlotte's Charlotte. Right. So Ronda waits nine minutes to come out here to decide, okay, now I'm going to settle this. Now I'm going to make sure that Ronda gets into this or that, that Becky gets into this main event. Right. Ronda, Ronda looks like a complete fool. Ronda because... looks like a fool. Becky yeah. gets backdoored into this match. Right. Charlotte's the only person that looks good in this uh, in this build because she's right. just out there like fuck it. All right, you're gonna give me the title shot. Cool, sounds good. Like whatever, you know, I right. deserve it. I'm great. You know, cool. <laughs> you know, I'm one of the best. I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm a future Hall of Famer. All right with me. Let's go. And the other thing is Charlotte doesn't seem very scared by Becky because she knows she's on one leg. So there's really not a lot of motivation there for Charlotte to keep Becky out of the match. I mean, she might be easier to beat than Ronda. It's three way. So that doesn't make any sense either. You know, you think you would think Charlotte would want Becky in the match. She she doesn't even act like she doesn't want her in it. Like she doesn't act terrified of of Becky or or incensed. What's well, she's Becky's the best? Chance. She looks the best out of everybody because she's just out she there does. like, yeah, I'll fucking beat Ronda. I'll beat Becky. I don't give a shit. Bring them all. Like I'm cares? the chosen one. I'm beating everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's her attitude. <laughs> And then you know, all these other ones are just like Becky's hurt and begging for a chance and a, an opportunity and Rhonda's out here shooting on Rebecca and talking about fake WWE and all this sort of stuff. Like, what are we doing? Just Becky wins the Royal Rumble and is going to face Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. I was, <laughs> what are we doing? I was so into the Becky thing. Go back and listen to our shows. I know. We were fawning we over were it. We were so oh into the God. Becky thing when she was just a badass ass kicker. Not taking shit from anybody, beating people up. You know, I had this great vibe, and now I just I am so not into this. This is just the antithesis of what I want to see. And I just could not be less interested in any of this from a storyline perspective. I just am hoping that we get a decent little match out of it. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, it's it's convoluted and it's nonsense, and I just I wave my hands at it. I don't even pay any attention. Right. Well, and, and people will I, say, like, oh well, I mean they, they got to what they needed to do, and it's a pretty fun, but like you didn't need to do any of it. Like, right. you didn't need there. to do any like, of this. All right. of this, all of this stuff that you've all these riddles that you've solved and how to get to this point where it ends up being Becky, Charlotte, and Rhonda, you didn't need any of that. It didn't need to happen. Like, I'm not gonna throw roses at their at, at their feet for for solving a problem that they created, and they've created mon- like 15 fucking issues with this. To get to this point finally, and now I don't even know what we have four more weeks or whatever. I don't, I don't know what the hell's going to happen in these next four weeks. But she didn't need any of it. Becky won the Royal Rumble. She gets the title shot. Oh, you're getting more twists and turns. Oh, I know. That's the best part. Is like okay, like here we go. This is only the beginning. Like I, 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 part of me believes that a McMahon is going to say, "Well, Be- Becky, you won by disqualification. That's not enough to let me, you know." Uh, uh, so Ronda Rousey, you're you're barred from ringside. And Becky, you need to win. Like they might do a gauntlet, for all I know. You know, what I mean? like they might do another gauntlet and just assume that if you watch SmackDown, you don't watch. It. I don't know, but we are getting more. This match is not set in stone yet. We are getting it, more with this. Would it bother you less if they weren't telling the exact same stacked deck story with two people at the same time? I think so, but I, like I said with the Kofi thing, like I. It, so with the Kofi thing, yes, I would enjoy the Kofi story more if they weren't telling the Becky story, but I don't know that I would enjoy this Becky story on any level whatsoever because it's so convoluted and it's so they're going in pads that I don't even know why the hell they're doing what they're doing with it. It's just it was so easy. It was such a layup. It was such a slam dunk with her. 
why did you have to do all this? <laughs> why did you have to make it a triple threat? Why did you have to make Ronda involved? Why are we shooting? Why is Ronda saying that WWE is fake? Why is Ronda cutting YouTube promos? Why is Ronda coming in nine minutes into a match and helping her out? Why is Becky on one leg? Why is, Mc, why is McMahon demanding that she go to a doctor and then saying, ah, you know what? Fuck it. Don't worry about that. And then another McMahon saying, no, no, no. I care about that. Like, you need to go to a doctor. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> she won the Royal Rumble. Well, I guess the idea is you got to fill TV and tell a story. I, but that's an indictment. How, if you can't tell a story of this woman's beating everyone's ass and is on fire and this other woman has not lost yet, then you don't fucking know how to tell wrestling stories. You know, if you right, cannot tell that story of this, Becky Lynch is, is uh, the biggest star we have right now. And people are going fucking nuts for her and she's beating everybody left and right. And now at WrestleMania, she's got to face Ronda Rousey who hasn't lost yet and is an ass kicker and is a, you can beat the fuck out of anybody on this roster and has done it for the last year. You can't tell that story, then I don't know. Like, How about she comes out of the Royal Rumble and every week until WrestleMania, she puts up her Mania title shot against anyone who wants to come out from the back and then she beats everyone she faces in 90 seconds. How about that? Yeah, I don't know. Would you like that? I, that'd be How fun. About, yeah. I mean, you know, so yeah, there are other ways to get from point A to point B and, um, and you know, and, 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 and put some heat on this thing and get people excited about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm bored just talking about. It. I hate this. Yeah, story. it's annoying. Let's let's we'll, we'll talk about it when we preview WrestleMania. But I'm pretty well done after this. I'm so. really. I'm, it just bores the shit out of me. Um, so the Shield reforms to take on. I don't remember who said this to us. I don't remember if it was on Twitter. I don't remember where I heard it first. So if you're listening, I would love to give you credit for this because it was brilliant, and I was rolling on the floor laughing. But the shield defeats the Boar Horseman in this oh, one. That's great. What a <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> what a tremendous <laughs> And again, oh I'm god. not taking credit for it. Oh my god, who did that? They it are was someone on Twitter or something. It was the Boar Horseman. Uh Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. <laughs> that's great. Um, just a tremendous moniker for those three dopes. Uh listen. Drew Drew McIntyre, I'm sorry, he does nothing for me. He, I, I, I keep hearing how the company loves this guy. I, I don't see star on him at all. I mean, he's a big guy with a nice body and a good physique and all those things. Um, but everything else about him is just dry as sand. I just don't see this guy as a major star um, at that level. I think he did a good job as a star on the indie level. I just don't think he's a guy who could be a national star in a company like this. Uh, we've talked about Baron Corbin to death, and then uh, you know you got Bobby Lashley. But the big story here is the Shield coming back together, and uh, for maybe the last time, Rich. Oh, I can't wait! I don't buy for a second that these three men are never going to team again. But uh, I guess they may team at WrestleMania, right? I yeah, mean, I yeah. Know. I guess the, Rollins well, say it's team. not. They're they're advertising it as never happening again. But um, yeah, um, I guess <laughs> Rollins is facing. It won't be WrestleMania because Rollins is facing Brock. But, yeah, and and um, I, I, what do you think about the Dean Ambrose thing too? Is it weird that they're being so upfront about it? Does that no, kind of have you weird, or, or do you think they're just getting out ahead of it because they know it's the story anyway? So whatever. I'm not a conspiracy theorist here. I think that. Um, Either Meltzer or Mike Johnson or Satin, somebody would have gotten the real story if if it's just a storyline. Okay. Um, I, I I I yeah, I'm not buying into that. I think um, I think it's legit. I think they're just treating it different. Um, you know, it's in this instance until I haven't been convinced that uh, to to delve into the conspiracy side of it. No, I think he's leaving. Um. But the shield here in what they build is their their final match. I'm sure they'll team again a million times. 
uh, either this time around or when Dean comes back or whatever the fuck. Uh, they defeat the Boar Horseman here. Now, look, I get it. Uh, you know, Roman comes back from his illness. You kind of have to throw it together quickly. These aren't the three most ideal opponents, but you've got to put something together. And from that perspective, I'm not going to complain about it. Um, you know, the quickly thrown together storyline with the three goofs that they beat. Um, look, it was a shield match. I it didn't knock my socks off. But the disclaimer here is I am not emotionally invested in the shield. I have never been emotionally invested in the shield. I basically have no opinion of the shield. I am totally agnostic to the shield. Same for Roman Reigns. Um, so I could see if someone had, and there's a lot of shield fans, a lot of Roman fans. If you have emotional investment in the shield. Yeah. Or Roman's return, of course, too. Yeah. And Roman's return. And all, I could totally see you thinking this was phenomenal. Because they hit all their key spots. You got the triple power bomb through the table. You got them doing their silly little fist thing in the ring together. I get it. I just have no emotional investment to any of these people. I, I, I don't dislike the shield. But to me, the shield are just, I mean, I'm trying to think of another wrestler. Like, I have no emotional investment to, I, 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 you know, it's just like anyone else who I don't particularly it's the same as like our truth. Like I don't particularly care about our truth at all. I mean, he could disappear tomorrow. I wouldn't care. Like Roman Reigns was gone all that time. I didn't care. It didn't bother me at all. Like I wasn't pining to have Roman Reigns. It's like, right. And not that you don't want him to be healthy. No, yeah, you know, but it's just no, like, yeah, you didn't really it. miss him in, 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 in terms of, I shouldn't of even have yeah. to say that. that right. No, that I know. Has, I know. I know. But people, you know how people will be. So. I know how people are, but I shouldn't even have to say that. That has nothing to do with it. I mean, I want the guy to be healthy, obviously, but from the perspective of, Roman Reigns not being around in wrestling. I didn't care. And he's back, and that's fine. He's a good wrestler. I don't mind watching his matches, but I have no opinion on the Shield and no emotional investment to the Shield at all. Never did. Even at the peak of the Shield, when people were going nuts for the Shield, I was just a, a, a neutral observer. They never connected with me like they connected with others. So to me, this was basically a really good version of a Raw main event involving the shield um you know and i think it meant a lot more to people who are emotionally invested to the shield and romans come back and all that stuff but i don't really care about any of that so it didn't connect with me at that level and to me it was just a good solid professional wrestling match but i wholly concede yeah that it meant a lot more to other people and that's exactly what i was i mentioned at the top of the show where i'm watching this and and i don't I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm watching this like, yeah, good match, whatever. And I'm seeing people going nuts. And oh my God, I'm getting teary at, or I can't believe this. And I fully contend that like, yeah, there's probably matches that I really get emotionally invested in. That's Correct. probably some that we're going to talk about in a bit that you think are just mm-hmm. dull and stupid and don't matter or whatever. So that's one that I can't, you know, I, I, like you said, you, I'm not going to piss on their cornflakes. Like you always say, like if you enjoyed this and you got emotionally invested in this, then you did like as a pure wrestling match, I didn't think it was anything special, but I also didn't care about, you know, the, the, the shield reuniting. And I didn't really care uh, about Roman Reigns making his, his, his triumphant return to, to, to wrestling or whatnot and if you do if those are things that really tick your boxes then yeah you're gonna like this and and i think i'm i've been kind of over the shield formula for for quite a while and i even mentioned this back on the show many many years ago there was a time where i thought shield matches were the greatest thing in the world because they were awesome but then every shield match kind of became the same old thing uh, this this short of like somebody getting speared through a barricade was all the hits you know what i mean it was through the table it was the tags like everything kind of felt authentic and and it felt like a, an old band playing that you you go to a reunion show of of whatever band 
20 years after their 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 prime and they play all their hits and that's exactly what you want them to do you wanted them to put somebody through a table hit a superman punch you know do all the the, the curb stuff you wanted all that same stuff and you got that and that's exactly what this match was it was the shield's greatest hits like it you know it's a, a dvd basically is what you got and, and that's fine it's cool but yeah for me it wasn't like anything that i got super emotionally invested in so the, the, the thing about it is it was really a nothing match until they took it to the outside and then it picked up and, you know, Rollins did the crossbody off of the like balcony or the second level, whatever you want to call it, which is a spot right. that he also did in that match against the, no, not the Wyatt family. He did it against um, uh, the Triple H and, uh, yeah, Evolution. Yeah, it was Evolution. That's the spot he did in that match where he came off the uh, second level. So that was cool. And of course, they did the triple power bomb through the table. And I thought the crowd brawling, which normally I don't like, I thought was good in this case because it kind of was a throwback to like 2000. 14 or whatever that was yeah, when yeah. they have those wild matches in the crowd. To me, that's when the match picked up because I was wholly prepared on my notes. I actually crossed out all my notes because I was going to come on this show and bury this match because I was like, holy shit, they're having a TV match, a bare bones TV match on the main event of this pay-per-view in this big shield reunion. This is a disgrace, but it did pick up from there. Um, you know, first half of the match was absolutely just nothing. Um, but, but yeah, once it, they took it to the outside, I thought that the intensity picked up, but again, the problem here is the show going off the air with the three guys with their fists. Just, here's the thing. Like, I don't care if the shield ever teams again at all. I wouldn't, I don't care. I like, if this were their last match, it wouldn't bother me whatsoever. I, I have no longing to see the shield continue or get back together. And it really seems way too soon for the reunion to mean all that much anyway. Right. That's the other thing. But again, I concede that this isn't my thing. There are people who view the shield in the same vein as the four horsemen or, uh, you know, uh, DX or NWO or whatever. This is their four horsemen for a certain fan of a certain age or a certain kind of fan. Like, and I, and I get that. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, genuinely not shitting on that. That's fine. And I think you made a good point earlier. There's matches where we come on this show and just go nuts because we're emotionally connected to the, to the match or the uh, outcome. We're going to talk about one in a bit that I, I fully expect that half the people listening are going to say, ah, that match was stupid. That didn't matter at all that we're going to fawn over. We'll talk about it in a bit, but, <laughs> but yeah. And I'm sure there's people who are like, Oh my God, these guys, I mean, they're getting real melodramatic over that. You know, it, it's that that's what wrestling's all about. Sometimes you have an emotional connection to the story or the characters of the people involved. And sometimes you don't. And the shield is just an act that never connected with me emotionally whatsoever. They were just a main event act on the show that had a lot of really cool trios matches, which actually at the time I didn't think were as good as other people did. I mean, you know, I'm on tape, so I can't come out here and, and, and pretend I had a different opinion I was always a little lower on those on those crazy shield trios matches than a lot of other people were. Just is what it is. What do you want me to do? I mean, I, I got to be honest, and it's just not an act that was ever, um, you know, one of my favorites. Or, uh, you know, I really for a while there thought they had something with Dean, and 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 but they blew that very quickly. And Roman never really did anything for me. And Seth is fine, I guess. I'm you know I'm not a huge Seth fan either, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine, and I thought it got a lot better once it left the ring. And um, if I had to rate this, it'd be close to four. Um, I thought it was a, it was a, it was just a, a good, solid, very. I'd even say very good, very good uh, wrestling match, especially once it hit the outside. 
So I'd go like three, seven, five or four somewhere in that area. If, uh, if I had to rate it. Yeah. My reading, I went uh three and a quarter with it. So <laughs> it just, it was one of those ones. That, and, and I've seen everything I've seen. Yeah, it just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't do that much for me, but I saw some people yeah. at four and a half. I saw some people at four flat. Like I, I and, and I fully respect that. I get why you would be a four and a half, but yeah, for me, I was three and a quarter. That's all I could do. So grapple. The users of Grapple had this one at 3.48. So I have to pitch this question to you. Are we all that crazy for everything we just said? I mean, this this match didn't really land super high for, for the consensus either. You know, at least on the Grapple app. Do we have the cage match inmates handy? Uh, I can get the I can get the cage match up. uh, Let's use another outlet too and and, and compare and contrast here. Um, and, and, and see if uh... let's see what the inmates had to say. So they had to say with the uh, the main event seven point three five is what the uh, the cage match inmates said. So that's out of ten so, scale. So. so divided by two, you know, you're talking about about the, almost the, the same exact rating. Not far. So yeah. you know, somewhere three point six or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I spent all that time talking about how maybe I didn't like that <laughs> as much because it didn't connect with me, but maybe it just wasn't, um, you know, an over the. And, and here's the thing I don't think this had to be some kind of match of the year contender. This was just all about getting the shield together in a match and beating these three goofballs, right? I mean, you, you said it before they did the greatest hits. Isn't that what this is supposed to be, though? Yeah, for sure. A feel good match where they go through the greatest hits and beat up these three, you know, dopey mid-card heels and send the fans home happy and close the show with that shot of them standing there with their fists. That's really what this was supposed to be, right? Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that's what everyone's going for. I mean, I don't... Yeah. You're really biting your tongue here, I feel. I, I just No, I'm I, not really. I'm just like, I, I don't want to I don't want to random people's parades. Like, I don't give a yeah, shit. I you know it. what I mean? Like, that. so, like, if you do, that's great. But, like, I, I, I don't give a shit about the Shield putting their fists together. And, oh, my God, one last ride for the Shield. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, go, bye. All right, see ya. <laughs> like, do you think maybe if they didn't really abuse the shield story as badly as they did over the years that you might be a little more into this. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also if like one of the guys wasn't like, well, I'm glad he has cancer and da, 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 And then like a month later was like, ah, you know what? Water under the bridge, whatever. <laughs> like, let's go. Like, let's do this thing. Baby. So like, it's just more yeah. poor storytelling in that yeah. company, sapping your interest in a match that, you know, by all rights, you should have been more interested in is basically because you yeah. identified yourself as someone who was into the shield early on. Yeah. Oh yeah. At least 11, but yeah, not, not early in the segment. So, Whereas I would I mean, this, is, this has been years now, and they break up for you know six months, and they come back, and it's like, oh my god, it's the Shield for the first time ever, and it's like, no, I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's been overdone a little bit. So if this is it for them for a while, I, I, I I'm kind of fine with that. All right, so that was uh, that was WWE Fastlane Vroom Vroom review brought to you by the Grapple app. And uh, Rich, what do we have next up this week? All right, let's go. So this is going to be a little bit of a quicker show, I think, this week. But uh, we wanted to touch on the New Japan Cup. Uh, we'll briefly go through Ring of Honor's 17th anniversary show as well. Uh, also, Wally Yamaguchi, I want to talk uh, a little bit about. Maybe this is a good opportunity to do that, um, to touch on him. We don't, we don't have, like, deep dives into Wally Yamaguchi. I think one of the problems, though, is, you know, he died earlier this week. Uh, he died at 60. Uh, was so pr- pretty young for him. Uh, he had suffered a stroke about a year or so ago and had been pretty yeah. bedridden after that. So it kind of sucks. Uh, the way he went out. But I think one of the unfortunate things, and I saw it the entire, every post about when he died was, 
an image of him holding up a giant sword about to chop Valvinus's penis. You know what I mean? And everyone yeah. said, former WF manager, Wally Yamaguchi, or, oh, Kai and Tai, or, oh, the choppy choppy PP guy. And, like, I don't know that enough people know how important he was to Japanese wrestling and how important he was, I know, for you personally as well, because he played a big part in, in you know, stoking the flames of your love of pro wrestling. So for people that don't know, Yes, he was the Kaintai manager and the Chappie Chappie PP guy. That was Wally Yamaguchi. He was also uh, a writer for Gong Magazine, which was a huge Japanese wrestling magazine for, for many, many years. Uh, and he also worked behind the scenes uh, for many Japanese promotions as well. I uh, had a part in starting FMW with Onita, which is a big-ass deal because FMW was a, 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 a you know, for a, a, for a very short amount of time was a very big deal. You know, FMW still a huge, huge, huge okay. deal uh, in the 90s. Uh, also ULL with uh, Grand Hamada as well. He had a part in kind of starting that. And uh, also Michinoku Pro Wrestling with Great Sasuke, obviously, in 1993 that uh, Michinoku Pro starred. He had a big part in that as well. You know, obviously parlayed that over to doing stuff with WWF. You know, he did a lot of stuff. He, he was always fluent in English, which was a huge asset for all these companies. And these, all three of these companies had relationships with, like, you know, American promotions or promotions all across the world. So he was able to do stuff with them, book, you know, Gaijin talent, book, you know, foreign talent, you know, go over with foreign talent if they did shows and shots in, in, in America or did shots in, you know, Europe or whatnot. So played a tremendous part in that. And I think one of the big things that you mentioned as well with him as well, um, did English commentary for uh, Noah dvds and that i think you always mentioned as being a big opportunity for you to kind of get into noah and noah becoming one of your favorite companies uh when it did well yeah i mean he that's the one thing i think that no one has really talked about um when they've talked about wally yamaguchi this week and it's sort of a forgotten part of his career i mean a lot I, I, like you said unfortunately most people listening to this know him as the guy who cut Val Venus's dick off. Almost I mean, cut. Was, almost cut. Did not actually get cut. It didn't actually cut it off. You're the he did uh, not. no. He uh, I think attitude he, era expert here. Yeah. So they they brought in John Wayne Bobbitt at one point uh, because you know you had to bring you know they did they did you don't remember that they actually had you like oh I'm here with my buddy John Wayne and uh, he. Uh, the lights went out and then uh, apparently Val Venus said that he uh, became unerect at that point and that's how the blade missed him. So. Attitude error, <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, so that's usually what people think. Yeah, that's what people know of Wally Yamaguchi. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, he got the spot through the Mishinoku Pro connection because he was managing all of those Mishinoku Pro. The Kayantai guys, of course, were um, straight out of Mishinoku Pro, and he could speak English, and those guys were very questionable with their English at that time. So, you know, he got the spot um, as their manager, which – you know, obviously working for WWE at one of the heights of their popularity is what you're going to be remembered for. And look, it was a very memorable, um, you know, uh, spot, the, the, the dick cunt spot. There's no question about it. And I, I you know, it, it's, I, I don't know necessarily if even he would be upset with people remembering him for that. I thought he probably had the time of his life working oh, sure. for WWE. Oh, yeah, probably. And, and during the Attitude Era, and he probably made a decent amount of money and all that. But there really was much more to his career. Like you said, he started with Gong Magazine in the 70s, and from there, you know, he knew English. Like, you know, helping to start up three different promotions. When wrestlers would, when American wrestlers would come to Japan, a lot of them would stay at his house. When Japanese wrestlers would come to the United States, he would sort of be their liaison and the guy that uh, would travel around with them. Um, you know, he would be a liaison for these Japanese promotions when it came to dealing with the English-speaking talent. So he's a guy who wore a lot of different hats from reporter to, um, to, to uh, on-screen manager to behind the scenes liaison. And we just thought it was important 
that people knew all of those things. And other than this guy who just parachuted in, was a manager for a year and was involved in one of the most infamous little skits in the history of the Attitude Era. But one thing that I haven't really seen anyone talk about is, yeah, pro wrestling Noah for a while there. I would say from about 2005 to about 2008 or 2009. And I've talked about this from time to time on the show. They were putting out English language DVDs of the Budokan Hall shows. Uh, most of the time it was Budokan Hall. Um, the, you know, the big Budokan shows that they would hold uh, monthly or whatever uh, with English commentary. Which, you know, the shows were, um, you know, in full. They were straight, you know, rips of the Japanese airings. They were just overdubbed with the English commentary, which were... Um, you know, especially at that point in time, I mean, now, you know, we want to see a Japanese wrestling show. We just slap a button on our fucking laptop and download it. And we're watching the whole thing. We're casting it to our TV and watch. Okay. It was a little bit harder back then. I mean, this was a little bit past the tape trading era. And yeah, there was stuff like there was, you know, the early days of downloading shows, but it would take you like 15 hours to download a three hour show or even longer. And it was just a pain in the ass, and you know, you really had to pick and choose what you wanted to watch because of that. It's not like now where you just download everything and then blow half of it off. Uh, it's just you know, you you really had to. You know, it was hard, you know. And and those English language DVDs that Noah started putting out because they had a they had a Noah had an office in Hawaii, they had an American office based in Hawaii for a while there, and that's where those DVDs were coming out of with the English commentary. And where I discovered them was going to ROH shows. You know, you go to the ROH, the infamous ROH DVD table. Oh, I know. Many trips there. Many, many trips there over the years. Which, again, before streaming and before iPay-Per-View and all that, you know, you would pray that when the next ROH show came to town, they had the DVD ready of whatever hot match had happened on on the loop before that in another town somewhere. You know what I'm talking about, Rich. Oh, absolutely. Where, yeah. And you know, the other thing too that people don't understand is the lines for those DVDs. You would show up to the arena and there'd be a 15 people deep. I would go during the middle of a match. If I knew that a match I didn't really matter that much to me, I would go over and usually they try to shut down, but there was always somebody sitting there. So if you had cash in your hand, they would sell it to you, but like if you try to go before the show, forget it. If you try to go to intermission, forget it. Like you yeah. either had to go to the show early and get your DVDs or like, you know, hope and pray that after the show they would keep it up or that like somebody would sell it to you during one of the matches too. It was unbelievable. <laughs> the DVD table was yeah. the next level. And, and and that's how we followed ROH. If you were an ROH fan, then you'd go to your, you'd go to Chicago. I'd go to like Philly or Edison, New Jersey, or whatever. And we go to that DVD table and look for those new releases and you'd get like, what was it, three for 25 or something? Yeah, like, three for 25, I think. It was three for 25. So you'd buy the, the three for 25. What I'd always do is, you know, if there was a hot match getting a lot of hype, a, a big Brian Danielson match or an Austin Aries match or something or a show that had great, you know, uh, buzz about it, you, you look for that immediately, the new show. And then you pick maybe two older ones that you hadn't seen before, or, you know, and, 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 and then you spend the whole next, you know, couple of days – watching these DVDs that you bought at the show it was a totally different way to consume a product and follow a promotion was that ROH DVD table. But anyway, aside from the ocean of, of black covered ROH DVDs on that table, I could see that table now. And you'd always look at some of the stacks were higher than others. Cause it'd be like, 
you know, the shitty shows they couldn't give them. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like the some shitty the, Dayton the, show, some Dayton Ohio show that nobody wanted to buy. <laughs> yeah, or the or like the uh, the the uh, Dragon Soldier B show. You know, like no one ever <laughs> bought that. You know, like. Or I think that one may have sold well just out of morbid curiosity. The American Super Junior Tournament in uh, somewhere in New Jersey. Um, wasn't it Edison? I can't remember the town that one was in. Everybody's screaming at their uh, at the show right now, but I can't remember where that was. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it, 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 but also on that DVD table, they'd have a few DVDs from other promotions mm-hmm. or other companies. And that's, I you know, where I discovered the Noah DVDs and the first couple times I blew them off. And then I noticed they had English commentary, you know, cause you could find the big matches at that time, like on YouTube, you like, you'd very rarely find the whole show, but you know, you get a big triple, uh, uh GHC, uh, title defense or something. It, it pop up on YouTube eventually months later or whatever. But I noticed that these DVDs, you know, I had never looked back to the English commentary. I'm like, well, this is interesting. You know, I, I pick one up. And I forget who the play-by-play guy was, but the color guy was Wally Yamaguchi. And, you know, the commentary was awful. I mean, it was beyond bad. <laughs> it was terrible. But it, there, were, it was, it, there was a certain charm to it, though. It's hard to describe unless you've seen them. He, he, it's just, it, 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 like, on the surface, the commentary was awful, but it was charmingly awful in a way. Uh, the way they tried to put things over and you could tell they were in a studio. It's always different when you're not sitting there live commentating. And when you're doing it in a studio fucking four months later and yeah, and it had that kind of vibe to it. Ken Hirama or Hirayama. Ken Hirayama, I think is his name. I'm I'm trying to see. I've seen a few different spellings here. That's why I don't know if that's actually um, what it is. Uh, I think it's Hirayama, I think is Ken Hirayama. I don't know who that is. So, yeah, I'm not familiar with him either. Yeah. But um, I don't know if that's exactly how the spelling. Like I said, there's four different sources and four different people have uh, said his name uh, spelled it differently. So I think that is it. But yeah, I don't know anything about him. So yeah, the commentary was bad. Uh, but the thing about it was, I was just happy to have the full Budokan shows. You know, prelim to main event, the whole thing without scrounging YouTube or doing some sketchy download on my shitty internet and not working half the time and just being able to sit down and watch the entire show start to finish in wonderful video quality. I'll say that too about those DVDs. They had phenomenal video quality. I mean, better than a lot of stuff we see now. I mean, the video quality was great. And the one infamous thing about those DVDs was the famous Misawa-Samoa Joe match, the Samoa Joe um, title match against Misawa, which TNA blocked Noah from putting that on the DVD and a bunch of people bought that fucking thing. And then when it got to the main event, it was just still photos <laughs> oh. of Samoa Joe, like hitting, you know, picking him up for the muscle buster or Masala, oh. like chopping him. And it was just like still that shots. Sucks. So, you know, thanks TNA, you know, of robbing us of that. Like, would it have been that big a deal to allow Samoa Joe to be on this DVD that, let's face it, Rich, how many people are buying this thing? I mean, there's no way they sold a thousand of them, right? Like, do you think they sold 500 of those DVDs? I don't even think they sold 500. Yeah, I mean, even if you look like, if you look up Wrestling Noah DVD, Wally Yamaguchi, like two results come up. And it's just like, you know, Larry Zaka <laughs> reviewing it in like 2007. And right. then like one other dude. Like, yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine many people purchase those. So, 
it's just, I mean, we know this from even now, I mean, where it's accessible, we talk about it all the time, you know, click one of them videos of, you know, you know, a hot pearl match and you're lucky if there's, it's got 300 views. I mean, it's, you know, so it's like, I don't know, but uh, Samoa Joe was uh, exclusive uh, to TNA in those days when it came to putting them on DVDs and those sorts of things. If you remember, they pulled a bunch of their talent around that time from promotions that were putting out DVDs. And uh, that was a big thing with ROH, where ROH lost a lot of guys they couldn't use anymore because uh, TNA didn't want them on DVD anymore. So, um, and they bounced back and forth with that policy, um, you know, over the years or whatnot. But yeah, but that's, you know, that's another facet of Wally Yamaguchi's career. And just another example of him somehow having his hand in something. Like he always was a guy who, like you said, I mean, he had a hand in, in, in forming three different promotions that, you know, uh, you know, uh, including Mishinoku Pro and, and just, um, he's a guy that just always seemed to be around in some capacity doing something, um, you know, in, in major league wrestling. So uh, he was a lot more than the guy who almost uh, cut off Val Venus's dick I guess I always assumed he just cut off the dick. No, no, it didn't, that segment didn't actually go through. Yeah, but uh, I, Val, I guess, lost his boner. Was that that? Too, I think he lost that? his boner, or somebody attacked. But I, I remember him saying that, like, "Oh, I uh, something happened. It must have been cold in the room, or something." And then I lost. Well, my I remember him throwing the sword down. Like he he threw the sword down and it hit the table. Correct? He or did. Yes. Him? Yeah. But that's that's why is because the he put the sword down and 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 yeah because he he was so Val uh, turtled up. Yeah, exactly. There, there's the term that we definitely needed. <laughs> yeah, Val turtled up there. We've all turtled up. Of course. You know, um, I can get real well. Never mind. You should probably change the subject before. I was going to definitely change the subject. That was Wally. So I just wanted to, to bring up that that he wasn't a more important figure than just the choppy choppy pee pee guy. All right, let's get to the New Japan Cup, Joe. We are, are through the first round. Um, you and I are kind of catching up now on round two as we're recording this. Another uh, round two matches are going to happen in a few hours. So we're not going to talk any round two right now. We're going to wrap that up hopefully uh, next week. But I wanted to talk at least about the first round. And, Joe, I wanted to take a look at our bracket last week. You and I did a, uh, a thing where we had to agree upon a bracket here. We had to agree upon matches and, and, and come to a conclusion. Uh, we are currently in the uh, Voice of Wrestling New Japan Pick'em. We are uh, we are ranked 233, Joe. We have a total score of 15 points. Our score potential is 67, so it's not looking good there. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. But uh, top of the card, we were good. We we predicted Tomohiro Ishii and Taichi would win. That happened. We predicted Yoshihashi and Chase Owens. We predicted the huge upset for Chase Owens. We were per, uh, correct on both of those. Uh, we chose Okada and Mikey Nichols. Uh, we were both right in that in terms of Okada beating Elgin, Nichols beating Hikulea. Uh, Will Ospreay defeating Bad Luck Fale. We had that. And Lance Archer defeating Will Ospreay. We had that. So we were perfect, man. Then we started feeling ourselves a little bit. We had Tanahashi defeating Uminu. Of course, that was correct. I, I fought for it, and you obliged, and we got it. Taguchi defeating Tenzan, Taguchi moving on to the next round, so we did that. Uh, Kotobushi defeating Naito, we had that as well. Then things got a little dicey here in the last half of the bracket. We had Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Evil. In fact, Evil won that match, so hey, one wrong, not a big deal. This one, Joe, I, I, I don't know how I let you do this. Colt Cabana, I wanted Colt Cabana to defeat Togi Makabe. You said, no, 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 there's no way. They're going to have a former IWGP heavyweight champion. They're not going to have the Unchained Gorilla lose to Colt Cabana. They did. Colt Cabana moved on, so we had another, another doc you there. You know, I'm going to be taking some L's here. I understand this. Okay? <laughs> but, like, 
all stick aside, I am shocked. No, I, I am too. I really am. That's why I didn't fight for that much. Because you were like, I mean, it's Sogi Makami. I'm like, you're right. He's like a big deal in that company. There's no way Colt fucking Cabana, the announcer, is going to beat him. So I, I, I did not fight that one because, you know. And I didn't fight the other one that I'm going to give you shit over too. You are going to take some L's, but I, I obliged on both of those. I argued the Taguchi, and I'm glad I did because that really felt strong about. The, the, the Cole Cabana one, I didn't because I was like, you're, you're probably right. They're not going to do that. So it, it well and good to me to say, hey, Joe, you, you caused me to not pick this, but I, I didn't. You argued, and I, I, I relented a little bit as well because I think you were probably right in case. So I, I was shocked by that as well. So Yeah, I, 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 I'm genuinely shocked. That they they put Colt over her over um, over Togi Makabe. I just thought Makabe Yano was such a natural match. I mean, the Colt Yano thing, I understand that too. They're gonna have a, go out there and have a comedy match. I get it, but I thought for sure they would do Makabe Yano in the next round. I didn't think a guy who obviously is not gonna be long for the promotion, probably just in for this tour, would beat a guy like Makabe. I mean, if it would have been any other opponent, I, I could have made a case. I, I, it, it genuinely shocked me. I'll be honest. Uh, then Toriyano, we correctly predicted that he would beat uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., so we moved on to that. Uh, we correctly predicted that Minoru Suzuki would beat Satoshi Kojima. And then we got one more wrong in the first round. We thought, you thought, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the blame for this one as well, Sonata versus Roki Goto. There was no way that if Roki Goto was in that ring, pointing at his chest, saying, no, 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 I'm going to win the New Japan Cup. Not you, Okada. Not you, Kota Ibushi. I'm going to win the New Japan Cup. That There was no way that Hiroki Goto would point at his chest and say, I am going to win this and lose in the first round. But Joe, Hiroki Goto lost in the first round. Defend this geek. Defend this fucking geek. You came out here and said he's a star. This he guy's a, a star. geek. He's not a geek. You- <laughs> he's a fucking geek. He's not a geek. A you, you, can't, you cannot go out there and point at your chest and go, no, 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 no. I'm going to win the New Japan Cup and then fucking lose in the first round. Listen, listen Sonata's a tough opponent. Sonata is a quality opponent, a tough competitor. He can beat he can beat anyone in the world in any given day. Okay, so look, it's a tough draw. You know, some guys draw Hikuleo in the first round. Some guys draw Shota Uminu in the first round. Okay. Hey, I thought I should work his ass off to beat Shota Uminu. Listen, Sonata's a tough opponent. Okay, <laughs> so I I don't want to hear it. Would a geek? Be a three-time New Japan company. <laughs> yes. Would a geek be a former G1 Climax winner? Yes. We're, we're, he's proving it right now. Could you be a geek and be a four-time never openweight champion? <laughs> yes, you absolutely could. The other two, I would, I would somewhat contend with you. You can absolutely be a four-time. Would a geek be a two-time IWGP Intercontinental Champion? Two times tough. You can be a one time and be a geek, but uh, two times maybe. This man has won the World Tag League <laughs> oh, <come on>. countless <laughs> times. Has he? Has he actually? Oh yeah, yeah I guess he. Has. Oh yeah, he went back to back years. It's Shibata, right? They went back to back. Oh, back to back here. Oh, and Carl Anderson. Yeah, of swords and guns. A legendary team in New Japan lore. Not going to call me out for that. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm just going to let geek, you go. You're you're out of roll, so go ahead. Would a geek be? Look at the countless <laughs> tag team titles this man has won. Yeah. Katsuyori Shibata, a famous title victory in the Tokyo Dome. A, ju- a former junior tag team champion. <laughs> you just went to his Wikipedia, didn't you? Because he only has one tag title reign, so I was wondering what other He's one you had. Tag but title. You, moved, you moved over to the juniors, which is a good idea with Minoru. So, you know, well, you, you listen. That Minoru is a Tanaka. trend team. Yeah. Okay? 
Jake Brown, Jake Brown, open weight six man tag tournament right, champion. Now you're just reading the Wikipedia because <laughs> I don't remember that. But yes, back to back years, back to back years with Prince Devin and six man tag so. team tournament. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure he won that. Okay, so listen. 35th in the PWI 500 in 2010. That's enough credentials to get you into the WWE Hall of Fame these days. So I'm tired of you calling this guy. <laughs> and he's got tremendous offense. Yes. Tremendous offense. He does. And Sonata's a quality opponent. He avoided the GTR, <laughs> much to his credit. He had him well scouted. He earned it. He earned the win. I'll give him that. He had him well scouted. He avoided the GTR all the way. Okay. And he survived... The reverse GTR, which crushed his face. Got to give Sonata credit. He was gutsy. He was gutsy in the match. So not a lot of men can survive <laughs> the skull and moonsault combination. And Goto actually avoided it the first time. Okay. But listen, Sonata got him. What are you going to do? He, he KO'd him with that uh, skull end. He knocked him out, hit that moonsault. He got the one, two, three. Sometimes it's just a tough draw. We'll see next week NCAA tournament. Sometimes you you know <laughs> you run into a buzzsaw. What can you do? You know it's a tough opponent. People mocked Georgetown a few years ago. They lost the Florida Gulf Coast in the first round. They ran into a buzzsaw. Gulf Coast won their next game. You know what are you going to do? Maybe Sonata makes a run here. Talented wrestler. So I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to listen to it. Goto will rise again, my friend. That list of credentials wasn't by accident. How dare you call this man a geek? I'm back. Sorry about that. Unbelievable. I'm defending the honor of Goto. <laughs> And you walk away. You don't even want to listen. You walk away from the I, it. Was, yeah, I decided to fold laundry while you were doing that. So. Unbelievable. <laughs> Blatant disrespect. You don't even. You tell me to make my case, and you, then you're not even listening. No, your case sucks. Your case sucks. He's a geek. You can't. You can't come. I mean, th- let's talk about the amount of times he's had heavyweight championship sh- shots and has lost every Nine single time. Nine-time challenger. Nine-time challenger. My God. Great. Hang a I banner. Challenge that much. Hang a fucking banner. Way to go. This was an all-timer, though. To get in that ring and let it be known that you are. Kotobushi had to go through fucking Tetsuya Naito, and he did it. You know, he pointed at his chest in it when he's in yes, his, he his beautiful suit and said, I'm going to be the New Japan Cup champion. And, you know, he's alive. Maybe it's still out of time. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> you know, yeah, it has been. Yeah, you've been mentioning. Isn't this the year that you said would be the Sonata's year? 2019. I've been saying it all along. Yeah. Maybe this is Sonata's time. You know, I think you're. Yeah, you're distracted from the fact that Ko- uh, Hiroki Goto got in the ring, pointed at his chest, and fucked up. You're I, not. We got to talk about it. We gotta you're, not, you're not praising the winner. I think that's what's happening. I maybe there might be a part of me that is underrating Sonata and his contributions. That's that's possible. Yeah. It's a tough opponent. Had him well scouted. He did a nice job. You win some, you lose some, you know? The best part about this is people are going to take this very seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> career, he, he's won some and he's lost some. Yeah. You can't accidentally be a nine-time challenger for that. Is it nine <laughs> times? I think it is. Yeah. Is it eight times? Whatever it is. 
Always a bridesmaid, never a bri uh, bride. But that's hey, you know, it's fine. The world needs best men. You know what I mean? Like you need to be a, you need to be the best man a, a bunch of times. You know. Yeah, but listen, it's not like we had him advancing far in the tour. Well, we had him winning a couple. No. <laughs> you had him beating Makabe and then facing Kotobushi and losing. You had him in the semis, baby. Right. Well, you know what are you gonna do? Sometimes <laughs> it happens. It's fine. You lose some there too. You know. Yeah. What do you want from me? I underrated Sonata too. You know, it's on me. Yeah, that's. But yeah, what what is okay? All, all jokes aside, like, what what? <laughs> like, why did they do this? Why why couldn't Sonata just take the win loss here? Well, why was Goto in the ring pointing himself and then he was just going to lose in the first round anyway? Like that, I, I, I'm doing the geek all aside and like we were like, oh yeah, well you love Gato, but like honestly, it's it's kind of a weird thing to have the visual of him being in the ring there. I mean, it makes him look like an absolute geek. You, you know what I mean? Like the booking of him made him look really really bad. I don't know, man. He lost the fucking match. I, you know, they weren't going to eliminate all three LIJ guys. Yeah, of course, right. Which is why we switched it to. <laughs> we switched that favorite. Lost yeah. that one too. Um, but yeah, they weren't going to eliminate all three of those guys. So, but yeah, but why does Goto have to lose? Yeah, it, it's strange. It's weird. So I, I mean, we're we're kind of doing a little bit of a joke here or whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's it's. Oh, I'm not joking. Okay, I, I am. I am. It, I'm disgusted. <laughs> I like Goto. That's a problem. I don't take this man seriously. As a <laughs> I do take him seriously, but you know. But yeah, I you I, I love Thurman Thomas too. But you know, I I don't know that Goto. I don't I don't know where they go from here with uh, with Goto. I don't know. It is a little yeah. weird. Yeah, that. I've long wanted him to just like flip out and do something, start his own unit, go. Some, I mean, like. Or, you know, people are like, hey, he gets booked terribly. Like, yeah, well, obviously he doesn't care because he would be able to go anywhere that he would want to go. But, like, he's obviously fine. But, like, I've always wished that they would be able to just do a little bit more with him. Have him flip out. Like, we, we talked about it a year ago or, or two years ago at this point where, like, his his intro video is him <laughs> getting his ass kicked by Okada and then shaking his head. Like, yeah. yeah, you beat the fuck out of me. All right, man. Yeah, I'll join you. Like, what the fuck? Like. You know what I mean? Like that that's kind of been the go-to experience for a while there. It's just like he's kind of booked like a geek. And it's 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 disheartening because he is great and he is good. And I think there is a lot of potential for him, but it's just like he's just kind of in New Japan, he's just kind of this loser dude. And it's like at some point he's gonna have to snap, right? He can't just be okay with this all the time, right? I just don't I just don't think they see him as a top guy. I think that's pretty clear. And I'm not sure that they're wrong. I mean you know, I don't think so. As much as I like him, and I do, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. I, I'm not sure that they're wrong, and I'm not someone who whines and complains if my favorite wrestlers don't get pushed. If I understand, look, I understand it. You know, you need to have people slotted sometimes. Um, I'm not sure he's a top guy, and you know, then it becomes okay. Should he get the gold watch title win then at some point? I think the gold watch thing works for some guys and it doesn't for others. I would be very much against the idea of Tomohiro Ishii ever getting a gold watch title win. Right. I don't think it fits his character. Nah. He, I doesn't, feel, need it. he doesn't need it really either. Yeah. I mean, his whole deal is he's not as good and it's just all heart and fight that, that he gets by with. So I don't think it'd be a good idea for him to get the gold watch. Goto, I could see it. Do I want it? I don't know. I, 
kind of like the idea of the guy who just never reaches the pinnacle. I think it's interesting. I think it's just as interesting as getting there in some mm-hmm. cases. I, I do. I think there's some storytelling value to this guy just never got it done. And that's who he is. And that's his arc. And I think that's okay. You know, I don't, I'm not on board with everyone has to have a turn or this person earned it because they put in their time or, you know, you deserve it chance. I'm not almost never. I'm almost never about that. I, I think that, you know, sometimes the more interesting story is not succeeding. And that's what these are. These are just all stories, you know, and, and 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 there there is you know you can be a lovable loser. I don't see him as a lovable loser. I don't see him having that quality. Hanma was a lovable loser when he was really peaking and losing all those matches. Right. Yeah. And everyone was screaming about, oh, he needs to win. He needs to get a push because he's over. And I screamed to anyone who would listen that would ruin the aura of his lovable loser charisma that he had. And it did. It changed things when he won that G one match. And you know he had a lovable loser charm and uh, motherfucker should never won. You know, it's like, but I don't know that Goto is a lovable loser. I don't think that's his vibe. I think Goto's vibe is the guy that's really fucking good. And you finally think it's going to be his time. And he just always comes up short. And I think it's a different vibe than Ishii. I think Ishii's vibe is like I said, a guy with all kinds of heart and fight who really isn't as talented as the people that he sometimes manages to beat. He's just doing it because he has more heart and fight than you. And he'd rather die than lose. And that's a different vibe. I think all three of those guys, Hanma, Goto, Ishii, completely different vibes to tell a very similar story. And I think Goto is pushed harder than those guys and has been pushed harder than those guys. Because, you know, Ishii has two title challenges. And it took him years to even get his first one. Right. And Hanma was never going to be a guy that was going to get to that level. But Goto's a guy, and, and he hasn't had one in a while. I don't think he's had one since the white paint lost to Okada. And I'm probably right. Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. That, that's probably it. Uh, he didn't have one during the long Okada run. He didn't have one against Omega. He, you know, so, and I don't, you know, I'm sure he'll have more. And I'm not sure. I want him to win. Now, if he does win it, if he hits a big, you know, GTR on somebody and they milk it, and it's a great match and they really, he's, he's on his knees and he's sweaty and he, he covers the guy and he gets that, that, that final three, I'll pop through the roof with like everybody else will. And I think it'll be a great moment. I really do. But I don't know that I need it. And I don't know that it's the right thing for, for that character. And I don't think the company is foolish for not, you know, I think they could do more with him without a doubt. And there are times that they do. He's a guy who you can expect to win 
it wouldn't shock you if he won any tournament or won any title except for that IWGP heavyweight. That's yeah, like they, they put him in a good position where like you could you could have told me last week. I think Goto's winning the New Japan Cup, and I would you know if there was not that MSG thing, you know, in any right. prior year, that's the one little caveat this year where yes. I wouldn't believe it. But like in any other given year, and many times he did surprise the world. <laughs> did it? I mean, there was that year a few years ago where he made it to the finals of the G One, and like. There were people that predicted it, and we kind of laughed at them. Like, what do you know? But it's like, yeah, he could. You know, there's nothing stopping him from getting to that point. It just, he's never going to get over that hump. That That's at this point now. It just seems impossible for him to never get over that hump. And, and maybe they can tell a really good story out of that one of these days. I, I don't think so. I don't think they probably will. And I think he's just getting passed and passed and passed over. But I, I don't know. It, 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 it's interesting. The go to booking has is, is always been kind of. And you could buy him beating anyone. Sure. There's no one on that roster where you're like, Oh, he's slotted to, he can't beat this guy. No, he could beat anyone, you know, but yeah, he's a good guy to have around because like we've talked about a million times too. He's a great opponent to burn off in like a tournament final or because it's something where you're not burning a money match, but it's a credible enough opponent to beat to where it's not, you're beating a jabron. So he has a weird place on the roster and there are times where they forget about him. I think that's valid. Like right now, what is he doing? He, you know, he's not involved in anything. And there's t- there's long stretches where that happens with him. And I think he's too good to be ignored. So they do – he's someone who should always have a program of some type. And they do whiff on him sometimes and forget that he exists for six-month stretches. So I will say that. But I can't criticize them for never putting the title on him. I, I don't think they see him as a top guy. I don't necessarily think that he's a top guy in terms of being a – a star or a draw or those types of things. And I can't really kill them for not seeing him at that level either. So that's your go-to, your serious go-to talk. Yes. There you go. All right. Let's talk about some of these uh, first round matchups here that we, uh, that really stood out to us uh, yeah. in the first round. I mean, obviously <clears throat> the one that I think a lot of people really quickly out of the gates, uh, Ishii and Nagata. I mean, what, <laughs> I don't know what you thought of this. I, th- I love this match. This is, I'm going to say, I think my Third favorite, tied for third, maybe favorite match so far the New Japan Cup because I think it's been a very good first round. There's two matches that I had a little bit above it, but man, was the spectacular! I love this match, and this is one that if you skip because it had Yuji Nagata in it, which I I, I get it, I get why you would maybe want to skip it. Don't go back and watch this one, Joe. What'd you think of uh, Ishii and Nagata? Yeah, I mean it was a hell of a match, hard hitting, um, nasty. There was blood, accidental blood. I talked about the match a little bit behind the paywall on one of the TV reviews. Um, Yeah, right now I have it as the third best match of the tournament, but that's not a slight because I think that there were two matches that were, you know, just incredible matches. And there were a bunch of really good matches in the tournament so far too in the first round. But, uh, but yeah, it it was a, it was a great way to come out because I got to tell you, I didn't, you know, the first two matches on that first night, I, I, I've seen some people say they enjoyed them. I thought they were terrible. The Nakanishi, um, who was it? Was Nakanichi? Yoshihashi. Yeah, Yoshihashi. That one. Yoshihashi, which was, it was all Nakanichi's done. I mean, I'm not going to do the same rant I did behind the. Nah, paper. we know. We yeah, we we've talked about this a while now. Where it was cute for a little while, a few years now, but he's he's toast. There's no charm in this anymore. It's just hard to watch. It's just hard to watch, and he doesn't belong anymore. I he just he can't hang. And it used to be charming, but it's not. I I didn't take any fun or glee out of watching this. It's just sad. He can't move. I mean, he did that plancha over the top, and he like had to catch himself on the apron and then do a cry. It was just, yeah, it's, it's bad. Yeah, it sucks. And I'm not going to give bonus points because he did a cross body off the top at whatever age he is a bad, bad wrestling is bad. 
in wrestling, even if you're 53 and it's bad. I, I, I don't know. I just, and then I don't have any use for him anymore. I think he's done. Um, and they know that too. I mean, he barely ever, you know, he doesn't work tours anymore or anything like that. But, uh, and I, and I, and I thought the Taichi Hama match was shit. I, I don't know what people saw in that. I really don't. I thought, um, I think Han was cooked and, and, you know, Taichi's not the guy that's going to get a good match out of him. And I thought that was ugly. So to have the Ishii Nagata main event really deliver like that. And I thought Chase Owens, Juice Robinson, um, on night one was excellent too. Not as good as Ishii and Nagata, a slow burning match. And I yeah. don't that as an insult. I don't, I mean it as the whole thing was very compelling, but it was just at a, at a pace that you don't normally see. And the two guardrail spots were just, Oh my God, they were tremendous. And we picked Chase Owens to win. I mean, he gave us shit on Twitter because John Carroll picked him to lose, not us. Um, but uh, he was playful on Twitter and gave a shit about that uh, with the review that was the preview that was on the site. But um, we picked him to win, and we kind of saw this coming where they'd set up the title match against Juice, and that's what they did. And I, I went four flat on that, and um, I went four and a quarter on Ishii Nagata. So I'm, I'm exactly the same as you as, as Ishii Nagata went four and a quarter. The uh, the Grapple folks they actually liked it a little bit more than us, four point two three on Grapple. So I thought it was kind of interesting to look at uh, how that developed. Uh, a few nights later, actually the next night, I believe uh, Okada versus Elgin. I think that's the match that stood Rich, out. Four point two three is four and a quarter. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? What did I? Oh, yeah. No. yeah I thought you said four you and talking? a half. I thought you said four and a half. I put four and a quarter. Okay. So, so we're right there. Okay. So we are still accurate star readers. Good to know. Um, so the next night, then we had, of course, um, Okada and Elgin. Uh, that was night two, if I remember correctly, right? Was that yeah, night two or did that skip all the way to night three? Okay. I forget because night two did not have a whole lot that really stood out. But uh, no. what do you think uh, of Okada and Elgin? I loved it. Um, Again, the pacing here really stood out to me because it's like it's Okada slowed Elgin down and worked like a Wrestle Kingdom main event pace. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Elgin's usually a guy that wants to go, go, go. But, um, you know, the, the pacing here was excellent. And the story of Elgin trying to get that front face lock on Okada, which, you know, Kevin Kelly put over great. I listened to the English commentary that night and I'm glad I did because uh, Kelly did a good job there. Um, putting over that story and then Okada stealing Elgin's moves. He did the buckle bomb and then the sit out power bomb on Elgin. And then Elgin moments later, you know, hitting the, the rainmaker, you know, to stick it back. And then I thought the closing stretch was awesome. So um, I know most people preferred Ishii and Nagata, but I thought Okada Elgin was a little bit better. I went four and a half on that one. Wow. And I, thought, wow. I thought it was the best. I thought it was the best Elgin match in New Japan in a long time because Elgin did not have a good year last year. No, he sucked. He sucked last year. And 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 I thought this was uh, now he usually he doesn't have a ton of matches with Okada, but he's had great matches with Okada before too. Yeah, they have good chemistry. Those two, for yeah, sure. they do. And the thing about Okada is, well, he has he, good chemistry with everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. I mean, he has great chemistry with everyone. And there was one spot in this match I want to talk about because it really showed how Okada is now like. He's gone from like this boy wonder to a real ring general and a veteran. Okay, there's this spot in the match, early in the match, where Okada's just beating down Elgin, and Elgin is in the corner. Okay, Elgin is like slumped in the corner, and Elgin throws a chop just to keep Okada away from him. You know, like a desperation chop, and it really connects solid. It's one of those chops that's like just you know when a chop just really connects. And it echoes through the whole building, and you know it's a good chop. So he chops Okada, gets him real good, and the crowd goes, oh, because even they know this was an awesome chop, right? And 
if you watch Okada, he takes that in. He recognizes the moment that they got a good pop off of that, right? And he sells it with his face and he's holding his chest and you can see him. And this is what I mean by the pacing of this match. And he's like, he sells it and he walks backwards and he's looking around and he's wincing. And then he slowly walks back into the corner and you can see him telling Elgin to do it again. Yeah, he's a fucking veteran, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Because he's like, wow, we can get a, we can milk this and get another pop out of this. And then Elgin throws another chop and gets him again. And the crowd again goes, oh, you know. So this little meaningless chop, which meant nothing. It was just a throwaway strike. Okada was probably just coming into the corner to do whatever he was going to do. But Okada recognized the moment that this was a little spot that got over way more than either would have been. Just throw away a little chop. And he had him go for another one. And they got a second pop out of it and put, you know, a little more heat on the match. And that's a little thing, you know, and I probably shouldn't be this excited about something like that. But it's like, holy shit, you know, a lot of times, especially early in his career, you know, Tanahashi was the one taking him through those matches. And, you know, but this is a guy who you work with Tanahashi that much and you work with someone as brilliant as as Omega that much. And you have all these great matches like he's really coming to his own and he's 30 years old now. And in that moment, I was just like, we have reached the veteran stage of Okada's career. Yeah. He is now a veteran at his peak, both physically and mentally. And holy shit, as great as he's been, he can now add these little wrinkles. Rich, five years ago, they don't repeat that job. They don't. You know, that, that is a little veteran move. You know, and you can see him walk in and telling Elgin to hit him again. It just, ah, man, that just really, that really grabbed me. And I didn't want to forget to talk about that um as far as other stuff on that night uh i think two matches that didn't <laughs> didn't deliver uh very much i wanted to touch on at least a little bit uh the monkey nichols hikulea match and then of course uh bad luck folly and will osprey uh, i know we're gonna have a, a mini bad luck folly rant i guess we don't have to do it again we've done it no, a few no, times, I scream he's, he's fucking toast yeah go, go to the uh, you did a great job on the tv review so i would go to that because i think that's where uh i i don't want you to have to recreate that energy because that, no, that i was, can't recreate it no I, that I, felt that felt organic and, and, and natural so definitely go I to the tv review it was a monday tv review correct monday tv reviews um there was no impact i didn't for whatever reason because i can't fucking record it properly so i did the new japan cup stuff instead so patreon.com slash voice wrestling, the Monday TV reviews. I review all of these matches in depth because um, I wanted to make up the value because I couldn't do impact a couple weeks in a row. And bad luck folly is just so fucking terrible. The, the bottom line with bad luck folly is he needs to go. I, look, if they want him to train wrestlers in New Zealand with the Wheelman Tony Casino, that's fine, but he can't be in the ring anymore. He's, he is offensively bad and he has an energy about him that he doesn't care. Are you picking up on that energy? Yeah, no, he doesn't give a fuck at all. I mean, I think, didn't he have a shirt that said basically pin me, pay me or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he was wearing a shirt that said, uh, win or lose, I don't care. Right, right, right. The pin me, pay me was the job. First of all, you you show up to my show with that, you're not getting in my ring. Oh, exactly, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're, 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 yeah, I I would, yeah. (laughs) And I'm not to be, I'm not a Jim Cornette style, but no, fuck that. This is, this is pro wrestling. Like, and if that's, if that's New Japan merch, shame on them. That's, that's shameful if that's an officially licensed piece of merch it's disgusting okay but the way he's performing and that whole vibe he has about him where he don't care okay he would not wrestle for me anymore i'm sorry i mean if he has an office position or he's training people that's one thing 
but he is incompetent, incompetent in the ring at this point. And that was a disgrace. Yeah, Willow Spray busting his ass, and this guy can't lay on his back and take a pin properly. Oh my god, the pin! They can't pin. <laughs> what the? Fuck? How did he manage to have both shoulders off? I don't know. He had both Not shoulders for both legs. He had nothing on the ground. He he found a way to to hover above the ground, even though all he had to fucking do was lay down. Like <laughs> Joe, lay down and let me pin you. Okay, I got it. <laughs> like that's all. He didn't he even get that do. right, and he could not and do that. And it's not the first time that he hasn't been able to be pinned properly. It's not the first time. He stinks. He's terrible. And he's not of major league quality. He's not. And I've defended him in the past. And as far as Mikey Nichol goes, I just want to say very quickly, very important match against Okada because he made no impression whatsoever in his first round match. Now, I thought it was a mistake putting him in there with a guy who's green and a guy who's not over and Hikuleo. No one cares about Hikuleo and Hikuleo is green. Yeah. So that's a tough spot. And to coming make. back from injury too. It's not even that he's green. It's that like he the ring rust is still kind of on him too. I mean, he's only back, been back what a few weeks now at this point. And he's a big guy that you can't do all your shit to. So there was a lot working against Mikey Nichols there. The Okada match all of a sudden is a very important match for him perception wise with the fans. If he goes out there and lays an egg with Okada or has an average match with Okada, no one's blaming Okada because Okada has a track record and he's the fucking man. It's all going to go on Nichols and it's going to be hard for him to climb out of that hole and he's already working behind the eight ball, Rich, because no one knows what like his signature shit is. No one knows what his fin- – what's his finisher? Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but it's like that's going to work against him because when they're setting up you know, the closing stretch or doing spots, his moves aren't going to be over. Again, so, so they have a real uphill battle to climb here and making sure that that match gets over and that Nichols gets over because, of course, he has to lose too. That's the other thing. So – Real tricky spot, and that's a match I'm keeping my eye on in the second round. All right, some other matches quickly that I want to touch on uh, a bit, so we'll kind of jump over a few different days here. Uh, Tanahashi versus Uminu. I mean, this match, I went for. It's probably my second favorite match so far of the uh, tournament, or four and a quarter, I should say. Uh, I went for this one. And, uh, yeah, second favorite match of the entire tournament so far. Just absolutely loved it. I, I think, you know, I talked about, you know, the, the hoops that, that they jumped through in, in, in WWE to tell the Becky Lynch story and to tell the Kofi story. This was a masterclass in, like, if you tell good stories all the time and if you tell coherent stories and if you have hierarchies and if, if things matter, like, the simplest thing can get over. And this was Umino trying to put Tanahashi in the Boston Crab. Stealing Tanahashi's move, putting him in the Texas Cloverleaf, and the fans going nuts. And just Umino making some faces, Tanahashi making some faces. These guys didn't go out there and have an incredible back and forth. Oh, my God, they're doing a bunch of shit. They just looked at each other, interestingly enough, and that got them over. Umino just tried to turn him over into the Boston Crab and got over. He put him in the Cloverleaf and got over. Tanahashi slapped him one time and got over. I mean, it was just minimal stuff that gets over tremendously. It was just a masterclass of wrestling. They did an incredible job with this. Yeah, Tanahashi gave him just enough Yep, where... It wasn't too much to wear. Okay. But like Uminu had that one sequence where, um, you know, he, he put Tanahashi in the cloverleaf after Tanahashi had mocked him by putting him in the crab hold earlier in the match. Like, ah, I a young boy. I'm going to beat him with a crab hold. Umino fights out of it. Umino puts Tanahashi in the cloverleaf. Crowd is super into this at this point. Umino then with the series of forearms to the side of the head, remember? And he got all fired up. And Umino screams, and then Tanahashi uh, comes back and hits the sling blade. And you're like, okay, now he's just going to put him away. But then Umino with the cradle, the 2.9 count, right? 
That was the key spot in the match. He gets the 2.9 count on Tanahashi. The crowd's going crazy. And then at that point, Tanahashi just said, okay, I can't fuck with this kid anymore. Or I might lose. I just got to put him away. And then he got serious and put him away. Yeah. What great storytelling. You know? It's so simple, too. There was nothing other than we have a hierarchy. They're young lions. They're stars. That's it. That's the story. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. And it's just Tanahashi getting a little worried and saying, oh, I better just put this kid away. And then showing that at any time he could put him away. You know, because it wasn't long after that. And it's like, if that would have been Kenny Omega in that spot, and this is just two different ways to approach things. Omega would have had a crazy back and forth near fall series of, you know, it would have been approached in a very different way. If it were right. Like that Jay white match from many, many years ago, where Jay white looked like a million bucks against him, which is good, but also not necessarily the, the same story you're trying to tell where, where Umino didn't look like a million bucks in this match. He did very simple stuff, but the fact that Tanashi let him do some of that simple stuff after a little bit of fighting, made it all that much more important or whatnot. But then when he needed to put him away, he just put him away. Yeah. Right. Like Omega would have had a great match with him, but it would have been probably more dramatic than it needed to be for the story where Tanahashi just told the proper story, you know? And that's where I think people think Omega gets a little excessive. It probably would have been great. And I love this. I love that Jay White match and the Juice Robinson match he had that year. And, and he had a couple others too, but it's just, it goes to show two different approaches you know, more than one way to skin a cat and have an effective match with someone on that level. A few other matches I want to touch on here. Evil and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, I went four with this one. Uh, the cage match, folks have it at 3.84. So uh, right up there with us there. Abushi and Naito, uh, I went four and a half. Uh, cage, uh, sorry, uh, grapple, I should say. Uh, 4.39 and Goto and Sonata, I uh, I went uh, three and a half and people had it at 3.83. But uh, kind of touched on a few of those there. Uh, thoughts on uh, Evil, Zack Sabre Jr., Abushi, Naito, Goto, and Sonata. Any of those that really stood out to you? Evil Zack Sabre Jr., I don't have a ton to say. I think that they have a better match in them if they would have been positioned. I think so, too. Yeah, there was a lot of good fun counters and stuff, and I think they did good. But, like, I, at the end of that match, and I, I said I went four flat with it, but I feel like, like you said, down the line, if these guys have a 20-minute match, I could, I could see that being incredible. I think Evil found a good partner there with Zack Sabre Jr. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is working well, too. Yeah, I, I, I left enjoying it, but also saying, oh, my dude, oh my God, when these dudes get together and have a long match, it's going to be something special. So I'm, It I'm is a good, solid match. Good solid match, you know. Uh, I don't have much else to add to that. Abushi Naito, um, man, I was shocked that it was twenty minutes. It didn't feel like twenty minutes. It was breezy. It was brutal, you know. It was Naito trying to break Abushi's neck. Yeah, these guys—they really want to kill each other. I don't. It's a great match. I mean, I think yeah, awesome. you know, no pun intended, but neck and neck with Okada Elgin for me is the top match in the tournament so far. A little bit better than both those matches were a little better than Ishii Nagata for me, um, you know. But we've seen Naito and Ibushi; they again have incredible chemistry. There was a lot of little stuff here that were callbacks to their previous matches and little counters, especially when they were up on the turnbuckle. There was a lot of little nuances there that, if you picked up on them, it probably lifted this match a bit. If you didn't pick up on them, it was still a great match. My one minor critique of this match, and you know I'm not a selling fetishist at all. You there was that. a there was a spot, man. Even I was just like, oh come on. <laughs> let's see if they're the same yeah, one. Let's see. What I had a problem with was um Naito does the pile driver on the apron, right? Yep. <laughs> and it looks brutal. And he gets him in the ring, and then I think he gives him the Gloria and then gets like a near fall or something. 
And then Abushi just pops up. <laughs> he's, just, he's just elbow striking him. Yeah, and then goes on offense. Now, listen. <sighs> again, yeah, same with me. I was did right it ruin too. the match for me? No. Would I have liked to have seen Abushi sell for three or four minutes minimum? Yeah, I would have liked to. I think he. You know what works better? It actually would have worked better if he just did like a one count kick out no sell. Then it would have worked. Do you right. know what I mean? Like because he, he essentially did that, but instead he like took another move and took a near fall. Yeah, and then just got right back up, which is just like what? Like you were dead. Like you were near dead. What the hell? There's no selling, and then there's not selling, and there's a difference. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Of like, course. Oh, I know. Yeah, I don't know that everybody else knows, but he, yes. Like if he would have just no sold it, and and you can buy it as like fighting spirit or adrenaline, but the way they did it. It was just it was just poor wrestling because he just he shook off because it wasn't just a pile driver on the apron. It looked fucking brutal and the crowd gasped and it was just one of those spots that you shouldn't recover from that quickly. You know what I mean? And there yeah, was some, oh, other minor, sure. some other minor selling issues later, but I still thought it was a great fucking match. I didn't think it was match of the year caliber, um, but it was it was a it was a great match. And I, I'm surprised that the grapple voters. I think four three nine's a little low. I figured they'd be I a thought so higher. too. I was kind of surprised by that as well because I went four and a half, and I thought I saw some people going five. I saw some people at three, or four and three quarters. So I was like, oh man, like I'm going to be kind of the low man here. Uh, one of the you know <laughs> dissenting viewers here, but I wasn't. Yeah, a lot of them uh, voted similar to me. So the four point three nine I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it didn't have the it had a great closing stretch, but maybe because it didn't have the kind of closing stretch you were expecting out of these two guys. Like, but here's the thing: this isn't a G one final. This isn't an IWGP heavyweight title match. So you got to give him like credit for that. Not, you know, it, it's like you're going to work a different kind of match in a different kind of scenarios. And like I said, I was surprised it went 20. It felt shorter to me. And, um, you know, I went four and a half on it. Um, and, you know, I, I thought I was being a little generous with the rating, but there were some people that went a little higher. But, yeah, it was a great match. And as for the third one you mentioned, Goto and Sonata, we talked about Goto earlier. But I thought that was an excellent match with – a really awesome closing stretch with a lot of stuff that was very good, like Sonata avoiding the GTR. And, you know, it's, it's, that's why earlier in this tournament, I, uh, I forget the match, but, um, but uh, there were guys who were kicking out of each other's finishers and you don't see that very often. It's more often in new Japan where guys avoid the finisher. Yes. Yeah. You know, so and I can't remember what match that was where they kicked out of each other's finishes. It may have been, um, I can't remember. But anyway, in this match, it was Sonata avoiding the GTR like it was going to be instant death, and Goto did hit a reverse GTR, which actually looks more painful than the actual move because he does. Which is tough because that GTR looks like my yeah. neck hurts every time I see that thing, man. Oh, reverse he crushes your face in there. Yes, <laughs> that should be the more effective one. But um, yeah, I went four flat on that. You know, so I had um, I had five matches out of the, I guess sixteen in the first yeah, round. Yeah, great first round, awesome um, first round so four far. Match, you know, four stars are better. And then I had a bunch of them like Tanahashi and Uminu, real close. You know, like three seven five somewhere in that range. So um, yeah, but there were some stinkers too. I mean, the Davy Boy Smith Yano match. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The. Um, it's fine. I, I get the Yano thing now at this point. It's like, whatever. You know, I go in with zero expectations, yeah, and it's, it's like, if it's if it's short, that's all I want. Just be in and out of there in five minutes, and I'm good. So It, it is what it is, and I'm, I, it, the thing about it is I'm glad he's just fully leaned into it. Yes, yeah. he is, and I don't see why people still enjoy it. I think it's the same old shit, and it bores me. Um, 
you know, I, I don't even crack a smile at his antics anymore. Uh, not that I ever loved them to begin with, but you're right. It is what it is. They're in and out quickly. You can live with it. You know, I, I'm not, you know, it, it doesn't ruin my life. Uh, when he had, you know, Makabe Cabana wasn't much of a match. Makabe just said, you know what, if I'm losing, I'm not bumping. Um, you know, Cabana <laughs> took the, missed, missed the moonsault. He took the big bump in the match. And then even the pin was like a uh, one of Cabana's wacky cradle combinations. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Makabe didn't even, like, take a move. You know, like, he just, it, it's amazing, that guy. You know, he he's, just. It, <laughs> he's he's I, one of the most efficient wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. That's, he, uh, he just will not bump. Uh, you know, unless it's a, you know, the three or four times a year. Well, G1, he, he works hard. Yes. Yeah, hard. yeah. And the three or four other times a year when he's in a big match. But otherwise, that motherfucker's not going to bump, you know. And he, I guess he's earned the right. I mean, you know, why the fuck should he bump in these dopey matches? I, you know, I can't kill the guy. But, uh, but yeah, pretty good first round. And we look forward to the second round. That Nichols Okada, I got circled. I really think that's a huge match for a new guy like that. You get off to a slow start in a company like this, fans turn on you. It takes a while to right. get I mean, we talked about it with Jay White. You know, it's 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 a hard thing. So um so yeah, Okada, that- Okada Osprey. I mean we got some good stuff coming up here. Tanahashi oh, Bushi, like yeah, yeah, yeah we got some or if that happens. If Okada and if Will you know of course if Will, I assume it will I mean Lance yeah. Archer I don't think well I mean I guess you never know but I mean I don't anticipate Lance Archer getting a never title shot. I mean I, that would shocked the shit out of me actually but um so i think we'll get you know okada osprey down the line which is a good match to yeah they've already main evented with that you know um at the anniversary show last year yeah but second round you got tanashi Taguchi. that should be pretty fun uh abushi evil so there's some good stuff in the second round we'll, we'll as i said we'll cover it next week um because we didn't want it yeah we're, we're kind of you know as we're doing this there's a show that's gonna have you happen in another yeah. hour or so so we didn't really want to do that but uh so we're running a little low on time here uh we got to get away a little bit early this week but i wanted to touch just briefly on the uh, roh 17th anniversary show joe uh coming up this yeah. friday we have a preview up on the website voicewrestling.com uh you can read it uh, sean cedar mr roh here at uh, vow has that up uh but real quick i want to touch on the card we have jonathan gresham versus silas young we have lifeblood mark haskins and tracy williams versus the kingdom your boy, balloon guy, <laughs> TK Ryan. Your other guy, TK Ryan, Mr. Subtweet, TK Ryan. <laughs> Who's is there any more gotten to vanity searcher right now in the world than TK Ryan? Listen, all you know, I'm not gonna go off on a TK Ryan rant again. My advice to TK Ryan would be just do your job. Yeah. And have good matches and get over and work on your craft and stop worrying about what people are saying. It's it's they'll say good things if you do good things. It's it's embarrassing at this point. It, it's embarrassing. You know, it, it was a bad look for him. Yeah, it was a pretty bad. He look just for needs him. to wrestle and and be good and get over. And um, you can tell he's not working. You know what I mean? He's gotten to. No, he's got to for sure. Yeah. And you know, you know, he's little Cass, and uh, until he starts performing better, people are going to call him little Cass because uh, that's what he looks like. He looks like fucking you know, big Cass's little brother, and he doesn't wrestle much better. No, and, he wrestles pretty similarly too. So yeah. Prove us wrong, then. Prove us virgins wrong, or whatever the hell he called uh, people that have podcasts. Whatever. Uh, Jeff Cobb, ROH World Television Champion, defending against Shane Taylor. Get this one. Yeah, My, I mean, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead on that match. Sorry. They haven't really built it all that great on TV. <laughs> you don't uh, say. But, you know, I, you know, it's Cobb, and, and he is over in ROH, and I would be curious to see if he could do some of his power stuff against a 350-pound you know, dude. So, I got Mayu Iwatani defending the Women of Honor Championship against Kelly Klein. Hold on a second, Rich. 
I watched ROH TV a couple of days ago and Tony <laughs> was the Women of Honor champion. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe there's an challenging her for the title. So what's happening? How uh, did it's a mistake? Do you have a mistake on this run sheet? I don't think so. <laughs> this is one of those bizarre, weird taping things where yeah, I don't know what the hell. So Mayu Iwatani won the title a month ago. Rich, <laughs> not a week ago. February 10th, ago, February 10th, 2019. She won the title 31 over plus days. Ago. Yeah, 31 plus days as we're recording this. And they're still putting shit on TV with Kelly Klein wearing the belt. <laughs> That's embarrassing. It's Is this 1992? I, and you can go to any source and see that Mayu Itani is going to defend the title against Kelly Klein at, at their 17th anniversary show, too. Is so. this necessary? And to, There's ways to get around this stuff. Why can't they show us the damn footage of Iwatani winning the title? Instead of showing, instead of doing an angle where Klein has the belt. Are you serious? Pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And I wish I would have known that when I did my TV. I don't read spoilers. So I wish I would have known that that when I did the TV reviews. God, I would have went on a rant that we don't have time for now. And I don't have the energy to go on. But it's disgraceful. It's embarrassing that in this day and age, in the 90s, fine. You can't do that now. It's embarrassing. You know... Eight days before the pay-per-view, you're showing the other person wearing the title when she lost it a month ago. Now, come on. What kind of fucking Mickey Mouse operation is this? There's indies. There's tiny indies with better quality control than this. It's fucking embarrassing. Anyway. Well, speaking of this, this is actually a good segue. Here we got Kenny King versus Marty Scroll, and, and presumably the winner of this uh, will go to Madison Square Garden, even though they've already said that Marty Scroll is going to Madison Square Garden. Marty so. Scroll's tweeting daily how he's made it. <laughs> so, I mean. So, what am I watching this match for? <laughs> you watch Kenny King win. You watch Kenny King win this Oh, no, I, I don't think so. Because the whole story on TV is Kenny King is saying that he deserves a title shot because he never loses. Because he cheats to win all of his – he cheats to win every match. And then right. he says, why am I not getting title shots? That's his story. And he's not wrong. And he's not wrong. Sort of, yeah. He's the heel, but, you know – but so this match is presumably the two top contenders, right? And Skrulls are – they've already advertised that Skrulls getting the title shot before this match happens. You couldn't wait a week – you couldn't wait a week and let Squirrel beat the guy before you start talking about him. You already sold the tickets. So it's not like you did it to sell tickets. What the fuck are they doing? And I usually defend ROH's booking. I'm usually, maybe not defend, but I'm less harsh than others are. I can't be with these scenarios, which are embarrassing. And I'm going to bury the next one, too. Uh, is it the Bandito Rush? Is that the one you're burying? Yeah, because why are they facing <laughs> Now one of them has to lose. Rich, why would you beat one of these guys right now? I don't know. They're both red hot. They're both pushed commodities. They're getting Bandito over, which There's I... There's no reason. <laughs> I openly questioned whether they could get that done. I was proven wrong. Or I don't know if necessarily proven wrong, but I'm no longer skeptical because they've been getting doing good things with Bandito and getting him over. You've got Roosh, who you signed in his big money contract. And right off the bat, in the most high-profile match for both guys, you're going to beat one. What are we doing here? And they're telling this story with Roosh where he's going through the Kingdom members one by one. Why don't you just have him beat Balloon Guy or beat – well, he beat Balloon Guy on TV. Why not just have him beat TK Ryan here? Doesn't that make more sense? It gives him a win. It's a guy you can beat that doesn't mean anything. Why are you putting him in here with Bandit? Now one of them has to lose. And worse, you might do a screw job, which is even worse. 
and have nobody lose, which I suspect is going to happen. I think maybe the kingdom will come in and beat them both up. Right, because they don't want them to lose. But again, like <laughs> it's one of those things where like people are going to say, well, I mean, you can't have Bandito lose, and you can't have Rush lose. Well, don't book the match. It's pro wrestling. Like, you don't have yeah. to ever book anything. Oh, my God. It is one of these, yeah. You're putting yourself in a corner. Bury so. the next one, too. Give me the next one. Uh, all right, Jay Lethal, Matt Taven. Or do you want to go to the Briscoes? We'll go to the Briscoes. Let's do oh, that one. Lethal the Br- Taven, because I'm on a roll here. Okay, let's do You want Lethal Taven? Lethal Taven for the ROH problem. World title. I don't, yeah. I don't have a problem with the tag team match. So, Lethal and Taven, the go-home angle on the TV. Okay, Lethal destroys Taven's fake purple world title belt that he's been carrying around. Right? Okay. So, the next week... The kingdom to get their comeuppance, and they get Jay Lethal in the ring, and they destroy him. I mean, they're ripping his clothes off. He's down, like they rip his pants off. He's there in his fucking underwears, which are bigger than his wrestling tights, which is always funny, because he, he's wearing like boxer briefs, and he wrestles in little trunks. Right. right? right. <laughs> so it's like actually showing, you know, less skin. But anyway, that's not the point. But anyway. like the Mandy Rose thing, where it's like ah, her revealing lingerie, even though she wears like booty shorts and a, a bra <laughs> out to the ring, and but whatever. Okay. Right. So they're ripping off his clothes. They're beating the shit out of him. Gresham comes in to help, which I liked because I hate when baby faces get beat down and no one runs in to help them, right? So Gresham runs in to help them because they're pals and they beat up Gresham. Nobody cares, Rich. Nobody cares. This is getting less than zero reaction. So they get out the table. They put Lethal through the table. That kind of gets a reaction because everyone, you know, a table spot's going to get something. Right, but it doesn't get nearly the reaction you would think. The point here is nobody gives a fuck about Matt Taven challenging for this for this title. And my bigger fear is that nobody gives a fuck about Jay Lethal as champion. You got your babyface world champion out here taking a beating from the kingdom. So this is either on the kingdom or it's on lethal or it's on both. And I have a feeling it's on both. I just don't think people give a shit about Matt Taven or Jay Lethal or this uh, this title match that they've built to here. Yeah, no, I I think the best move, and, and we'll talk about MSG when we get to it. But like the best move is have Skrull win that title, and, and he needs and, to win. Yeah, he has to win it. And like I know he's going away in six months or whatever. Well, then use him for the next six months as well as you can. And then when he bounces, he bounces, and you move. You, he loses on his night out or whatever. But Lethal is just such a, a a drag on that company at times. And it's not to say I like Jay Lethal, I do, but it's just like nobody cares. You know what I mean? Like we've been there and done that with him. He's been a champion forever. He's just a drag on it. It's just I, I hate it. And I'm over it. So and looking long term, I'd have Juice Robinson be the guy to beat uh Marty Skrull. Yeah, that's a good call. You you might have New Japan might not want that. So yeah, there's those considerations too. Um but you see if you can heat up Bandito or Roosh. Those would be the three guys I'd look at right now. But I want to see what they do with Bandito and Roosh on this pay per view. But Juice is over. And um, and and his his unit, which looked like a mismatch of personalities, has really worked too. As has Villain Enterprises. As I segue, Briscoes, of course, Jay and Mark. This is for the World uh, Tag Team Titles, uh, the Briscoes versus Villain Enterprise, Brody King and PCO. The winner advances to the G1 Supercard to face the Gorillas of Destiny in a winner take all match. There's going to be an IWGP tag and in ROH Tag Team Titles winner take all match in MSG. You got the Briscoes, Villain Enterprise, Brody King and PCO. What do you think is happening here? Okay, so I said I didn't have a problem with this, but I do. Because they already shot the angle for the Briscoes. <laughs> That's they did. I know. So it's like, we know the that Brody King and PCO aren't going to win this. PCO has fit in ROH way better than I thought he would. Um, he's over like a motherfucker. Brody King has been crazy over every time I've watched. 
And those two guys have pretty good chemistry at Marty Skrull. These units that everybody knocked the night that they made them have all worked out well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got to give credit there. You know, we buried the shit out of five straight matches. I got to give credit. Those units have worked. When everybody mocked them and laughed and said that they were very random, both of the units have worked. But the problem is they already shot the angle with the Briscoes and the Grills of Destiny. Now, when you say winner take all, do you mean this match is winner take all where you take the titles and the match at the G1 Supercard? Or is the G1 Supercard match winner take all for both sets of tags? I believe that's the case. The G1 Supercard match is a winner take all match. This is just a uh, the winners will advance to the G1 Supercard. Does that I did not know that. And that's an interesting wrinkle. So we're going to have double champions. We're going to have double them. champions, which, again, let, lets you know that it's probably going to be the Briscoes because I don't think Brody King and PCO. But, I mean, that'd be interesting if Brody King and PCO were in, in New Japan. But it leads me to believe that, yeah, the Briscoes um, will probably win both of those titles, I guess. I don't know. But that's interesting. Yeah, it definitely adds a different wrinkle. I, I that just, adds a little more juice to that match. Than yeah, for sure. To, to You could have the possibility of double champs, which I think is interesting. I did not know that they were – I just figured it'd be champion versus champion, non-title. We even we even said something about that. We were like, ah, eh, they're not going to do title versus title. It'll just be – but it looks like they are going to do that, which is kind of cool. So can't rip them from that perspective. Now, this card kind of looks like it could be good like on paper. This yeah, on like paper. Yeah, the booking might be bad and the, the results might have already be spoiled completely. But yeah, I mean, the matches seem like they'll be pretty solid. So, I mean, it doesn't look like a blowaway card, but it looks like something that'll be watchable. This is Friday or this is Saturday? Uh, Friday. Yeah, it's a Friday. Uh, they Usually do the pay-per-views Friday. on Fridays now. Yeah. So as I said, we have a review, uh, a preview, I should say. Uh, up on the website, Sean Cedar did our preview. We'll also have a review as well from Sean Cedar as well about it. So you can check that out. It's ROH 17th anniversary show. And Joe, that is it for us ending a little bit early this week. But hey, it's all good stuff here. So uh, anyway, I uh, wanted to thank Grapple for sponsoring the uh, Fastlane uh, review. And uh, yeah, make sure you're checking out VoicesWrestling.com for all of our good stuff. The uh, Juice Thunder Liger stuff might be getting rolling here in the next week or so. And then also WrestleMania weekend coverage. We are going to do a shit ton of stuff about WrestleMania weekend and turning uh, previews, written previews of every single show that we can get, uh, audio previews of every single show that we could possibly do. And we are going to cover it from every single end. So yeah, definitely want to check it out. Uh, WrestleMania weekend. Of course, again, you want to download the Grapple app, G-R-A-P-P-L. Uh, on the App Store and Google Play. As we mentioned, they sponsored our Fastlane uh, preview. And then, of course, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Joe doing the TV reviews. Uh, you've also done uh, tried out some new things, too, which I really like with the uh, New Japan Cup, where you're doing uh, written reviews as you're watching them. Because you're watching them anyway, so why not You know, throw what you're thinking of the match as you're watching it up there? Uh, I got my Death of WCW, uh, the Death Store uh, series going on. We only have two more episodes left to go for WCW is Dunzo, so it's some pretty fun stuff there. Uh, but you can listen to all that at Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. And for Joe Lanza... I'm Rich Critch, and we'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Podcast. Take care.